All right, it's Monday. It's ADP chasing. Sam Sherman's not here. I did not think I was going to be here, but I am here. We got Ben Gretsch joining the show. Let's go. It's ADP chasing. Pat Fryer Helmo. <laughs> this is why. This is why I'm hot. Anita Hanjob. Fix your sight. Jamar. <laughs> Alpha play chase. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Are you You can't handle the heat. He looks like we're finally at this point. You're right. <laughs> All right. What's up? What's up, Ben? ADP chasing debut. Yeah. What's up? I I mean, it was gonna be just me and Davis until a few minutes ago. You were on jury duty, right? And then got dismissed. I was on jury duty. Uh, Fortunately, I was on jury duty Friday. Um, did not get called for the grand jury, which would have been uh, potentially a disaster. Uh, <laughs> got sent over to the civil civil jury uh, overflow. Was not selected. So here I am back. Uh, I'm a civilian once again. Fantastic. More time, more time to bang out drafts. I don't. Are you? Would, <laughs> I think it'd be. I think it'd be frowned upon to be like hearing a case getting deliberated and being like. Dude, round 17, Brock Purdy, it's just like free money, bro. Like, you just got to <laughs> click the button. <laughs> yeah, they they were not, uh, they were like, sir, please stop talking about Brock Purdy and uh, answer these <laughs> questions about whether or not you're eligible for jury service. Um, all right, let's get, so uh, Sam's not here, so the charts are going to be, we're going to splitting up the hosting duties. So, Ben, you, you're in charge. You want me to just start firing them up? I don't, yeah, I mean, just start I don't firing up, I guess. Typical pay. Yeah. Um, we might as well. Just Sam made all these. I'm not taking any credit for it. Thank you, Sam. And he sent over some great notes and, and some thoughts on on what we're seeing. Um, but yeah, I mean, the first name that, name that jumped out to me is Madison. I mean, there's been a lot of people. Shout out Pat Thorman, who I don't think gets enough credit these days. But when he says something definitively, you should definitely listen. He's one of the OGs uh, in the fancy community and doesn't mince words sometimes. He's been saying all offseason, Alexander Madison's going to rise in value, and it's happening now. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, who were you saying was saying that? Madison? I mean, basically, Pat Thorman. Literally, Pat Thorman has Thorman, sent yeah, a couple yeah, yeah. tweets very di- di- like specific. He's been all over it. Yeah, Madison's going to be multiple rounds more expensive. You're going to get CLV. Take him now. Anyone who was paying attention has, has he's been he's it. rising up considerably. I saw him go in the sixth round of a draft that I was in recently, and at that point, I'm like, well, Cook better be gone because I don't think I don't yeah, think I would just, take just took Madison in the sixth. That's the yeah. big question. That's that's why I, that was the first thing that jumped out to me is okay, like yeah, you got CLV, and I think that's obviously strong. But is Did it you? efficient once he starts getting really expensive with two? I think really interesting running backs behind him. They drafted Dwayne McBride, who we talked about a lot. Pat had the, like five career college receptions. Doesn't have much of a passing role, but a really efficient runner in college, right? And then also Ty Chandler, one of Sean Siegel's favorites from last season, is still kicking around. I'm not, guys I'm, not, like, I'm not these these guys are immaterial they're they're, they're call not. them call them immaterial. call them matt breeda and gary brightwell to me i, I completely uh, disagree with that i completely disagree too my my thing Madison is that got like the biggest running back contract this offseason right i mean he got it got good good money for sure he got surprisingly good money but i think that tells you that Cook, in addition to them taking Cook off their banner and replacing him with Madison, Cook is not going to be there, right? Like the tea yeah. leaves for the contract. I mean, the, the contract is important, but I don't think it means you can't pay somebody to be good. You know, you can only pay somebody to to do the job. And I think they've signaled pretty strongly that Madison is going to have a big role and that Cook is probably going to be elsewhere. 
but I don't think Madison's that good. I mean, I think he's kind of like a like a poor man's Josh Jacobs type. Like he can handle everything, you know, or he's like kind of a David Montgomery type dude. Yeah, but David Montgomery has has seen has had like multiple seasons of like disgusting volume. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Okay, but one interesting thing on Madison is you go back a couple of years. He, he uh, he's so he's never really done it over multiple games. He's had the good spot starts with Dalvin Cook out at times. You go back a couple of years, he was big in 2021. Last year with the new coaching staff, didn't have double digit carries in a game until week 18 or whatever. The very final game had 10 carries and two touchdowns. But otherwise, like, was actually a lot lower in volume. The year prior, some of it was Cook missing games, but he had, I think it was five games of double-digit carries, three with over 20 when he got the start and was, like, the full-time back. Um, but, like, didn't really carry the load much last year at all as under the new staff. I do realize, yeah, they paid him good money this offseason, so that's not, like, something I'm reading too much into. But to Pat's point, I mean, 3.7, 3.8 yards per carries the last two years, yards per target under, you know, running back average inefficient running and receiving can do everything, but right. Uh, I mean, he's a like great he's, backup running back because you don't right. have to take him off the field. He can do, he can handle everything, but I mean, is he better than Samaj Pirine? I don't, I don't know. So. <laughs> right. But he doesn't, he doesn't have to contend with Javante Williams coming back in week seven, you know? Sure. Sure. So, yeah, it's I mean, just, I think Madison like can it, go ahead. What is fair. If cook, if cook is not there, and I don't think Cook will be there. If, so if, he'll probably be if, drafting if, Madison like he's not. But what is fair value? If Cook is for sure gone, like let's say you know he gets traded to Team X, Y, or Z, it doesn't matter. He settles into the range of Damian Pierce, DeAndre Swift, Isaiah Pacheco, Cam Akers, Rashad White. Like pretty. I, I think that's the clearly. correct spot for him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But like I, I'd rather have Damian Pierce. Pierce is my I'd most rather drafted White. guy. Yeah, Pierce is my most drafted running back thus far. Wow. Yeah, I think that's actually a, a, a strong take. Even though I, anyone who read Signals knows I wasn't really in on Pierce last season. But I, what, I, what I would say about Madison and the backups, I think Madison can be a, a reasonable pick, a good you know cost-benefit pick at his cost because there is the potential for him to be the starter all season and be a pretty big win at that cost. And it can still be the case that both Chandler and McBride are really nice last round, like really late flyers because Madison could potentially not Madison could potentially not be able to carry the load over multiple games. It's not something we've really seen him do. We've seen him do the spot starts. Madison could potentially get hurt. Obviously you're still getting like potentially talented uh, backups, like handcuffs and an offense that's going to be you know good. They have good receivers. They're going to have running lanes open an elite receiver, at least one. Um, I mean, I would want the handcuff in that offense anyway. It's a little ambiguous which of those two it might be between McBride and Chandler, but I think they're worthy flyers to take. Those guys could be massive hits. If so like, Silva, if Cook's gone and Madison tears his ACL, like that's the traditional handcuff thing. Those guys could be massive hits too. Uh, Brandon pointing out that Evan Silva has tight Chandler at 117 overall and running back 44. I don't know. I, I was never that into tight Chandler. I know Sean Siegel loves him. Um I'm kind of more into McBride, who I feel like I know he does one thing really well is the new shiny toy, but maybe Chandler's the, the sharp player. Chandler Chandler is like more my vibe is just like a crazy athlete. Um, to me, it seems like it's just going to be, they're going to play Madison the way they, like Madison is going to be David Montgomery here. And then if he gets hurt, whatever. I, don't, I, I, would, I would be surprised if one of Chandler or, 
McBride plays so well that it earn, he earns into some sort of timeshare. It, obviously, it could happen. I would never say it's like 100% one way or the other, but I, it doesn't seem like the most likely thing. How much would, better of an athlete is Chandler than Madison? A lot better. A lot, a better. lot better. Madison and he's got a receiving profile too, right? Like, he, yeah. Chandler was a good pass catcher in college. I, I think he would be my preference too because he could do all three thi- all, all three just, downs. He could this do all is things. kind of like we're kind of doing like the film bro thing though of being like, you know, I think this guy's better than this guy, but it doesn't really matter because I think I think talent I think they're still really, viable really matters at the running back position. I actually think talent is starting to become an underrated component of of fantasy football. Uh, Madison's just earned a lot of touches in the NFL. I, I wrote know, a piece like, last year in the the Substack that was like running back talent doesn't matter, but it's like the only thing that matters or whatever I said because like it's not valued in the market enough. Pat, I'm right. Right. Sure. Yeah. That was my. Sure. I, I can. I can. Like opportunity's massive, but then people are like, who cares? Like. Like if Montgomery, if uh, if Madison is Montgomery, then I think McBride or Chandler could kind of be the Khalil Herbert. Khalil Herbert. They're like they're just so right. much more efficient, right. and it's like play him, play him. If the Dalvin Cook situation enough. is this much of a positive on Alexander Madison, then it should be this much of a positive correspondingly on the cheap backups that are good bets, like dynasty bets, right? They're good flyers to have. If this backfield is ambiguous. And like, you know, very available. And we're saying Madison should be rising all the way up and people are taking him in the fifth, sixth round, like you said, then the backups should be rising, I, I think, correspondingly. I think what Silva having his preference at RB44, I think that makes sense. I think in August, there's going to be a backup I, I think, Viking at RB44. I think that's, uh, this is uh, what I'm getting, um, Samaj Pirine, Travion Williams vibes from last, yeah. or Chris Evans vibes, yeah. where it's like. Yeah, mix it every, up. It's like, it's like, if you just took Chris Evans, you're fucking you were bad right but if you just yeah. took a bunch of pirine or, or just if you mix them up but yeah i think i think mix it up yeah when when the, the i've noticed this quite often in best ball specifically which is that when the backup when the running back two is not hyper clear the market totally throws their hands up and refuses to take a stand right the, the cowboys right now Rojo, Malik Davis, Deuce Vaughn, all in the 18th round. But I think we all could universally look at the Dallas backfield and be like, "It's going to be, want, yeah, we yeah, we yeah. want to have, we want to have, we want to have the running back two there. You want to have we some exposure him. to the running back two there. And if it's Zeke, I guess that is a, a complicating well, factor is that it could be Zeke. This could be. I mean, if they cut Dalvin Cook, like, couldn't this be a Leonard Fournette, Kareem Hunt, Ezekiel Elliott landing spot? Is that a concern? I believe the Vikings, I guess it would depend on how much money those right. guys wanted because I believe they have a horrible cap sheet. I believe the Which Vikings makes the Madison contract that much harder to understand. Yeah, I know, but I, right? I believe, I obviously don't quote me 100% on this because I can't, with cap stuff, it's always That's my understanding too. Yeah, but the cap, the Vikings, so if, 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 if Fournette or Zeke or these guys are taking the vet men, Maybe. then sure. Yeah. But but it also it doesn't it feel like the reason why Fournette or Hunt or Zeke or whatever is not signed yet is because they think if they hold out long enough they can do better than the Batman. Right. And I don't yeah. think there's any way you can sign the Madison deal even if you're not in a cap. I mean they're not in like an extreme cap bind, but they're a, I know they're definitely not in a good cap bind. They came into the off season. People talking yeah. about how they're gonna have to check contracts. They had to cut Adam Thielen all this stuff. Um, I, I don't think you can sign Thielen Madison. Okay. What's that? He's- Adam Thielen's done. I don't know. Yeah, you could you fair. could have. You could but they had to shed, scratch and cut Adam Thielen. They've shed, they've cut some defenders too. They and they traded Zadarius Smith for peanuts. Like they had to shed some contracts this offseason. Yeah. 
you don't you don't have that kind of cap situation and sign Madison and another vet that's like a four million guaranteed. You can't do that. It, it, I just the Madison deal precludes that from happening. It's got to be the vet mint. All right, so that was fifteen minutes on Alexander Madison. Yeah. Um, Gibson, well, the the riser here that I like the most is Gibson because just looking at the context of running back, I mean, it, it falls off so quickly. We have like we have evidence of Gibson being better than this, right? And if we're talking about talent mattering, I mean, is there truly any person who would argue that Brian Robinson is more talented than Gibson? And we don't even have the complicating factor when we were doing this last offseason and Gibson's ADP fell so much, J.D. McKissick was still on the roster. Now, he didn't end up playing because he got injured really early on in the season, but we don't even have a guy we think would steal these theoretical receiving snaps from him anymore. Like, I like Gibson more than Herbert, Harris, Penny, a chain, Robinson, and Dylan. So that's like that's like a 20 spot spread of ADP. I like um, Gibson too. I think it's that's strong. interesting. I I haven't been I like Gibson a lot. I've taken a lot of Gibson, but I if he got up in that range, I don't think I'd be buying as much. I mean, like with Harris and Penny, obviously with Penny, there's some real you've got the I mean, I don't necessarily want to start calling guys injury prone, but if we're gonna put it to anybody, it'd be well, Penny. and his contract is pennies. Like he he's, could be the guy. He could be is. the guy who ends up not on the roster. He could be Rojo from last year in the same range where you're like, oh god, that's a burn pick. But he is so talented, and yeah. he's right. in such a good situation if he is getting work. That I don't know. He's like, and it's like Penny's one of those things where if Penny has a role, he's gonna like be a pretty reliable best ball um pick over the court i mean it'll be a bit boom bust he's a two down uh explosion play guy but i think you'd be pretty happy about him early in the season and harris is similar where i'm like man i really need a rb2 or an rb3 see i like i like harris better for week 15 16 17 nothing to me says week 15 16 17 underdog best ball mania playoffs than damian harris in the fucking cold <laughs> running for 20, three tds two, no 22 carries 67 yards three touchdowns like that it's just it's just, <laughs> just I, I sinking bill stacks left and right that's yeah, i mean i, that, I, I like I can, that I can he see plays that the there. patriots he plays the patriots in yeah. week 17 like oh, come yeah, on yeah. that's yeah. why they brought him in for that game literally dead for ass. that game dead ass i i i believe because i i think the damian harris the page signing, just the Pats just beat him, what, last year by throwing three passes, the fewest in, like, the modern era in a game yep. by running it down their throats, and the Bills didn't have an answer in that cold-weather game. Couple, It wasn't last season. It was the year before, right? But they, the Bills, they want to be able to have a power running game when they need and, it later And they year. keep doing – they keep doing – every coach on this and the GM keeps saying, we want Josh Allen to run less. We don't want him yeah. getting – rocked up in the regular Harris season. is you pretty good you, were wrong about is, you said 22 carries it's going to be 35 I think right. I mean you got me so in on this take it's going to be so much Damian Harris yeah so like that's tough for me in a half PPR format it's like I mean Damian Harris isn't amazing or anything but I think he is pretty good at what he's per- good at perfectly cromulent running back yeah I mean he's he's got some he wasn't that explosive last year but he has a couple years ago he was he was breaking off long runs pretty well I think it'll be better around the goal line than Devin Singletary, certainly than James Cook. Um, and so it's probably an upgrade for them in terms of like goal line rushing and like early down explosiveness. So, yeah, I think he probably like won't ever have the Devin Singletary role where he just like gets everything because Cook's pretty decent. But I think he could do more with like a committee role than, than Singletary was doing. So like what my thing with Gibson is the coaching staff clearly doesn't like him. And I know it's a new offensive coordinator. Maybe the enemy will like him more, but 
it's still Rivera. That that's just like if he's I, I kind of like him where he's been going because it's like, man, this is a pretty sweet handcuff pick. Um, he can catch passes, he's pretty talented, but I like it as a bet against Brian Robinson. If someone said both of them are smashes, or uh, Sam said it. Oh, look at that. Sam, our buddy, is is watching on the airport. No, or on an airplane. No. Three point three point six yards per carry, Brian Robinson. Not right. Me. Robinson as a profile didn't look like he'd be a very efficient player. This is one of those player talent takes, certainly, but he didn't look like he'd be a very efficient running back. He was probably overdrafted, and then he got a lot of work last year, but wasn't very efficient. And to me, I mean, maybe it's confirmation bias, but I feel like we're headed that direction. And if that's true again in year two, then Gibson it increases Gibson's ceiling. Let me let me make the case for Robinson, who I don't really like. I've been, but I've been sort of forcing myself to mix him in because you do have him priced in a range <laughs> where he's like. Yeah, I mean, Nate's got it. He was shot. He was shot in the leg. What is what um, is he? Is he? Uh, is he miraculous? Like, I, guys, I, yeah, I get he got shot. I don't think. I don't think that's gonna like. I don't think he's gonna be juicy. No, I mean, he, he. Well, he was shot in the leg last summer, so he's now a year removed from being shot in his leg. That seems like that's why he was inefficient last year because he wasn't training. He wasn't you know fully. Peach it's possible. State. It's fair. I, it's fair. I think he's yeah. likely bad. Like I didn't like him as a prospect. I thought he was. It was like bizarre to yeah, me that he was drafted. But Davis, you were all over this. They were like, I, I, like I took him running back. Well, yeah, I took him in all these rookie drafts for like the very like yeah, he's an Alabama running back, so he was always going to get opportunity. But to if we're if we're if our if our line on ADP chasing here is that running back talent is actually a little bit undervalued by the market. I think this is a literal perfect illustration. I think everyone who watches football would be like. Yeah, Gibson just looks better. He looks more dynamic. Yeah. You can you can do more with him. He is better in the passing game. Now, obviously, he fumbles. So that is probably like, he's really bad at that. Like almost like historically bad at fumbling the ball. And coaches hate that. But and they already hate him. I think with Robinson, sure. like I wouldn't go. It just doesn't feel like a great guy to go like heavy fade when he's being priced like he definitely sucks. Because it's like the first guy. Who's going to get the first crack at this job in training camp? Brian Robinson, right? Like, would anyone argue against that? So it's like, all right, we're getting a guy who's like in like the 10th round, who's getting the first crack at a starting job and is is young and might be more talented than we saw last year because he's a year but this is, the injury. This is this is the player talent thing. Yeah, he might be more talented, but the player talent thing, when, when we think about the fact that there's definitely like a no-known is there will be evolution from who's starting in week one to who's starting in week 17 in running back in backfields across the league. Like that's how the NFL works. We know that all across the league every year. Some of it will be injury based. Some of it will be talent based. That's a known. The question of even if Robinson is the guy going into the year, what is the percentage that he holds that all year is I think the big question, because I think a lot of people think that's more likely than it actually is. If you look at historical stuff and you look at a guy running back, I think it's like a 20% proposition that he holds it the whole year at his skill level, probably. Well, at his skill level, what if it's like a one in five where that actually works out? What if he's better than you think? I mean, I agree with you. If if it's Brian Robinson from last year, he's not holding the job. And he's basically, you're basically drafting like some early season production to help get you through. Even that, though, could be valuable in best ball. Like it is, it is valuable. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, but what if he just doesn't suck? Which yeah. there is some chance that he doesn't suck because I, I think the him being shot in the leg. I, I agree with that all being valuable. I'm just saying, like, I think I, I do think people when they make that pick think there's like a 50% chance or more that he holds a job all year. And the 20% I'm just throwing out, but I do think it's marginally 
or or not marginally. It's significantly lower than people think in their minds when they're thinking I'm getting the week one starter. Is the yeah. point I'm trying to make. I agree with your point on how he can hit though. Sorry. No, I completely agree with you that it's like he's maybe even 20% high if he is the guy we saw last year. Because they drafted Chris Rodriguez. Like, Gibson's definitely more talented than the guy that we saw last year from Robinson. So, I mean, I This is a great point from J. Mike, and this is – I was intentionally avoiding this. But how can you have any confidence that Gibson's the one who overtakes B-Rob when this very coaching staff – Well, I think think this is a little bit of revisionist history because if you go back and look, they did go very heavy on Brian Robinson for a period – and then they pulled back on that, basically realizing it was a mistake. Like there was a, so there's a stretch here. Brian Robinson comes back and Gibson goes down to like 32%, 25% snaps per game. I want to say it was this, there was like a Thursday night game where Brian Robinson had like 28 touches or something for like 50 yards. Like 50 Gibson, yards. Yeah. And Gibson didn't get on the field until the fourth quarter. And then after that, the coaches relented. And then, I mean, so I, again, revisionist history, go back and look at Gibson's usage in the passing game. Like he was still sort of doing like a Naheem Hines impression in the passing game, even mm-hmm. when Brian Robinson was getting all these touches. And then they started to use him as a rusher more later in the year. And then he got, uh, he got injured against San Francisco in week 15. So they I were don't, giving I, him some air yards too. They were throwing down, they were having him run like slants and, and like flag routes. I mean, he caught a touchdown on like a legit wide receiver slot, like flag route. Yeah. I, so it's, I, it's not, Obviously, I mean, it's it's definitely an eye of the beholder thing because you could say, yeah, sure, they they literally brought this guy back who got shot in the leg and we're starting him over Antonio Gibson. And then you can also look at it and be like, well, they saw the results they got just giving Brian Robinson the ball and they were not comfortable having Brian Robinson be the only guy out there. And I, I guess, I don't know, There's there's got to be a Chris Rodriguez truther out there somewhere who's like, they said they had a third round grade on Chris Rodriguez. <laughs> Yeah, everyone's got a third round grade on everyone they draft. It's like right. It's always yeah. Like, every day three pick is a third round grade, grade ever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, P Ryan's another he, one on this on the slide, but I should probably flip to the next slide, right? But P Ryan's well. Let, let's. I, there's no, a couple no, no. guys I want to touch on here. Okay. Um, Sorry. Before we go, but just real quick on Robinson, I think he does have a chance to be a pretty big riser if you just have reports of like, oh yeah, Brian Robinson's the starting running back. Oh yeah, it, you know he's getting on reps at the ones. So if you just so. To me, I'm like, I would like to be probably maybe slightly overweight on Brian Robinson in this period. Just because it's like, I mean, all he has to do is just not totally fucking suck. That's the... Yeah, that's the yeah to be a net positive, but he's also not going to win you... He's not going to be like a league winning. There's other ways you can get Well, he might be if piece. I structure my team right. Yeah, and, sure. And sure. the yeah. Commanders have a good Week 17 game too, which is part of this. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's, let's go to Jaden Reed. And Van Jefferson, because I think it's kind of an interesting way to talk what, about like what, the, what is this Jaden Reed shit, man? It's called uh so at this point in the year, you know, are you are out on him, Davis? I just think I just don't see why I should like Care. Crane and I had this argument last week, so we don't need to go super in depth in it. But basically, I think Dobbs showed enough as a rookie to earn playing time and not just be displaced because they took this guy in the second round. And Crane's counterpoint yeah. was you get you get like eight starts out of a round five wide receiver like Dobbs was and you, you pretty much call it good like anything you get from him at that point is a bonus Tajay Sharp you know there's a million sure. of these dudes there's there they're literally there are a billion of these guys yeah so yeah. I'm not even saying I'm 100% right but I I am taking Dobbs but the read is is the next Stefan Diggs comp has been it's been 
prevalent in all offseason. That's a weird one to me. I, I don't. It see. doesn't fit from the. the it doesn't fit profile. at all. Yeah. It doesn't fit at all. He's a five-year He's a player compared senior. to a three-year early declare. Yeah, it's like yeah. Who is? I mean, and and Diggs was wildly productive like his entire yeah. underclassman career, and then declared early. Like I don't think it's a. It's a bizarre comp to me. Other than that, like both of them had good freshman years. Like okay, but right, it's not. It's not the only thing that matters. Yeah, it's just the early early breakout age, but that doesn't make him digs. I mean, especially as a five year guy, like the early <laughs> breakout age needs to then lead to a three year early declare for for you to be on the digs track. Yeah, I, don't, I, I think Reed's overvalued personally. So I I don't think he's necessarily overvalued yet, but he's maybe trending that way. Um, I kind of like tacking him on with um, Jordan Love stuff. You know, I like that that's available to you as a potential backdoor stack. I, I think this is a, a, a big discussion we should have uh, maybe at some point. Maybe it's not even appropriate for this show. Maybe this is better for a ship chasing. But there is a big difference to me between guys I am comfortable clicking regardless of the context of my team and guys I am comfortable clicking in a stack. Like, for example, I think Dalton Kincaid is like the worst ADP on the board right now. But he's a terrible I, ADP. He's a terrible ADP. Le- legit awful. I think the worst pick. But if I have... Ramondre, you know, if I have Diggs, Josh Allen, Ramondre Stevenson, Gabe Davis, I'll probably fucking just click him, you know, because I don't even think I'm clicking him. I, I have, I have not done. It. Like, I, have not, I have not, I have not done. <laughs> yeah. I've not done it yet. I've not, I've not clicked Kincaid's name yet. I don't believe, but like there, there is a big difference between like I don't like this ADP, but I'll click it when it works with like my stack versus. Like sure, I'll click Jaden Reed if I have Christian Watson, Jordan, uh, you know Justin Jefferson, Christian Watson, Jordan Love. Like sure, whatever, you know. But I'm, I would never, I don't think, click him in a non Week Seventeen stack. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I couldn't with Kincaid on that. Um, yeah, Sam actually sent me a couple clicking? notes from his. Who's clicking Dalton Kincaid? Someone like I, no one's owning up to it. Like no one is willing to fess up that they're drafting. It's so weird guy. to me because Kincaid, like honestly, Kincaid could have like a forty percent route rate. Like he could yeah. be so low, and I think I think at best he's probably gonna be around fifty five percent. That would be like that a, would be semi optimistic projection. How high is he going? Be... He's he is, going he... like in the eleventh round or something. No, no, right. higher, way higher. No. Dalton Kincaid is he even higher than that? God. Dalton Kincaid right now is the tight end eleven, going okay. at one hundred sixteenth overall. He goes five picks behind Pat Fryermuth. That's jumping the shark. That is the he definition goes, of jumping goes, the shark. He goes ahead of Dalton Schultz, Chig, Cole Komet, Greg Dulcich, <laughs> Tyler Higby, Irv Smith, Sam Laporta. I mean, like just straight up, like I think Laporta has a chance to run more routes than Kincaid. So oh, Sam, oh, Sam yeah. sent me he some notes. Way more routes. Sam sent me some notes with these slides, and he actually sent a note as he compiled these. Again, shout out Sam for doing all the, the work on the background on it. On the rookie tight ends, he said market is picking winners and losers with Kincaid, Laporta, Mayer, Musgrave. Even though they all got similar draft capital, projecting tight ends has historically been a shit show. I'll probably fade market overconfidence and go overweight the cheaper guys, underweight the more expensive ones. It's kind of what we're talking about. He he already framed that point to me, so I just wanted to, to you know, yeah, hit yeah. his note on that. I mean, Laporta and Meyer feel like if I was to do, I have not done. I'm I've been kind of lazy with rankings, but my guess is that when I get through rankings, I'll have Laporta and Meyer right around tight end 
15, 16, 17, something like that. And I would have, I mean, I would have Knox ranked ahead of Kincaid, I think. Interesting. I mean, I think that's certainly defensible because the, the thing with Kincaid compared to those other rookie tight ends is like, it's not just about how many routes he runs over the course of the season. It's about how many routes he peaks at in a given game. And I think Laporta could peak at like 70, 75, maybe even 80% route rate at the end of the season. And Mayer, I feel the same way about. Well, Kincaid, don't you think don't you think with Laporta there it also might be like a sink a sink or swim thing where it's like you know we don't have Jameson Williams like we let's just look try and win some games like what do you got kid you know like Brock Wright's not really giving us anything let's go let's just toss you yeah. in the fire if I'm gonna bet on a rookie QB uh, tight end I completely agree it's got to be one in a passing game that doesn't really have a lot of other weapons or options like it's not going to be right. one that has Stefan Diggs as an alpha and multiple solid ancillary pieces that have been there over multiple seasons Josh Allen trust I mean yeah the Lions do have Amon Ra but it's, they don't have a lot like they're like you said sink or swim Laporta could be their number two pass catcher Bills like, are, right away the Bills are almost like sneaky deep too at receiver because I think Deontay Hardy's kind of interesting and he's a special teams player. He's a really good kick returner. So he's going to be active. And I think, you know, and a burner. That's, so, that's my round. That's my favorite round. 18 I, pick I right love now yeah. is Hardy. Yeah. And Shakir. I mean, I thought Shakir looked pretty good and they've brought along their rookies pretty slowly. So like, I, I think they're better. I think they're straight up better off having Hardy or Shakir out there than Kincaid. And like, we we hear this all the time with the tight end thing. Oh, he's a, he's a big he's a big slot receiver. You know, it's like okay, you know what's better than like a big slot receiver though? Just a regular slot receiver. Just, just <laughs> like a, a regular slot. Like a guy who could better. just like a guy who could just like run good routes and like yeah, just like a guy whose whole job is to run routes and be a receiver instead of like a half like a like this is the whole thing. this is the whole like Liam thing that he's done is that like is that like you know the Cole Beasley role was like pretty valuable actually like Cole Beasley was on his millionaire winning team and I'm like yeah like I get it but like Cole Beasley's a better slot wide receiver than Dalton Kincaid probably oh, yeah. oh, and yeah. more season Kincaid could maybe develop into something as a big right. slot or whatever but like year one that's a that's a big ask right like like people yeah. forget that we we steamed Kyle Pitts all the way up the board right and Kyle Pitts like basically they gave him the route participation stuff that you need right away and it it was pretty ugly like I know he ended up getting to a thousand yards but there were it was a lot of there was a lot of ugly weeks in there. I don't know. I mean, obviously, if Kincaid does Kyle Pitts' rookie season, you're taking that as a huge win. And he does play with a, in a better offense, a more pass heavy offense. But yeah, I mean, if if he has a thousand yards as a rookie, we're all going to eat this take really, really yeah. hard. But I don't think that the, I don't really see that. I, I don't, I don't see the Pitts count personally. Denny had a funny tweet on this. I think it was Denny. Um, they they said they they want to use him as a weapon, and he was like, anytime a team is you know says they want to use him as a weapon, they have no idea how to use him. That means they have no idea how to use him. Yeah, this no is the, this is this is the Jameer Gibbs thing, right? This yeah. is uh, yeah. Denny had an even better. He had he he had an even better Dalton Kincaid tweet, and he's like, it's August thirteenth. You wake up, you need a tight end. You click Dalton Kincaid ahead of Travis Kelsey, knowing that you just can't. He's not going to come back to you in the next yeah. round. Like that, we're already like if you just if you just search Kelsey Kincaid on Twitter right now, you're going to get a bunch of people being like, you know, he kind of reminds me of a young Travis Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. My thing with the rookie tight ends is like, 
in general, you probably shouldn't be counting on a rookie tight end to like help get you to the playoffs. And so therefore, I really don't want to be taking one with like a core pick. And I would consider a round 10 pick a core pick. Like yeah. That's that's like you need points out of a yeah. round 10 pick. Oh, yeah. And if you're taking a guy with a round 14 pick, maybe in round 13, like uh, you get a couple Couple yeah, you can burn. You can burn year. a couple. You don't need that. Every roster spot doesn't have to be live. Pat one. Pat one with Sony Michelle. You know. Yeah, yeah. You need. It's like the what you need out of a thirteenth, fourteenth rounder is a little different than what you need out of a tenth rounder. And so that's a I'm huge getting, point. And we talked about it on ship chasing last week. But it's where the wide receiver window. I think we talked about like I don't think people talk about it enough. But the wide receiver window sort of drops off. It's and it becomes like a like, dead zone of wide like Quentin Johnson, Quentin Johnson, and Zay Flowers go. And I can't even like tell myself stories. On right, the guys sitting there. I it's immediately the wide receiver position's done. And at that point, it's all flyers because you're already at flyers at every other yeah. position, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right, let's Van Jefferson. By the way, I, I the ETR guys are steaming him up, and I'm very annoyed. Um, they still haven't ranked quite a bit ahead of where he's going now. I think we're at part of the offseason where like the rankings are going to start to shift ADPs in in big ways, and I think Jefferson's a people are prime people have been complaining about this, saying that I referenced the ETR uh, influence on ADP too much, but like it's just such a clear example of this happening. Like you got to be aware of what people are drafting off of. He's literally like the biggest riser on this whole list, and they have him. They've had him like 50 picks ahead of his original ADP. Do you guys draft off rankings in the applet or do you prefer to draft off ADP? I'm I'm rankings. Uh, oh, sorry. I'm ADP Yeah, pretty much same. exclusively. I am doing rankings because I'm testing out my rankings and make sure they're not. They're not I always draft off pass rankings because I always draft on ship chasing. <laughs> <laughs> we use pass <laughs> rankings and pizza count. It's great. Uh, I have, I've experimented trying to do um some DraftKings stuff and i've so uh, the teaser here i might i might do DraftKings rankings I'm, I'm seeing if i can get them dialed in decently um without a ton more work on the i, back I just find drafting off rankings is too hard i just find i find it's easier on DraftKings because the adp is so bad that so it's actually bad, helpful yeah. to have guys like you don't have to sure. like i'll forget about this amazing you don't, you don't have to sc- you don't have to scroll around yeah. yeah yeah i think it's better to draft off adp on underdog but that's because that's because adp is more efficient there sorry you're probably saying yeah. this but i was gonna say on DraftKings, you're probably your rankings are probably influenced by underdogs adp to a certain degree right and then you're uploading them to DraftKings, and then you're like well i'm, I'm using the smarter adp on the on the site yeah that yeah ADP. <laughs> yeah but i'm trying but you also want some of that like Jackson Smith and Jigba is a good example where like I'm comfortable. I know Davis, you're not really down with him, but I'm comfortable taking him in like the fifth round at the end of the fifth round in on underdog, partly because you're going to get like locked out a wide receiver. If you don't grab a wide receiver and you know, I'm still willing to bet on him as like a late season type of guy. And I know when I take him as like my wide receiver three, I realize like, Oh crap, I'm behind. I need to, like I feel like I'm. You got to take. You got to take. Juju, you got to take Juju Smith-Schuster on that team to make sure you have someone alive for the first. Yeah, six weeks you take Jacoby season. Myers. You grab a Van yeah. Jefferson later. You you kind of eat your vegetables later in the uh, the draft at wide receiver yeah. or whatever. But um, on DraftKings, like you you should get that. You know, he gives them like the seventh eighth type of round uh, type yeah. of range there. I, I think you you want some of that value. So anyway, I'm trying I, I'm trying to experiment with that. All right, I'm going to flip to the next slide because there's eight of them here, and we've got a half an hour on the first slide. So four-hour stream today. 
It wouldn't be unusual. I was going to say, you could tell, you could tell Gresh has not listened to this. Me and Davis are both extremely comfortable with the pace. Because we just fucking, like, we did, like, like, oh my God, it's been 35 minutes. We haven't changed sluts. Last week, we went three hours easy. Oh my God. Uh, so, so I got to Sam is not here to, to pound his chest on this, but basically we all realized we, we gamed this out with ADP and realized Alan was going to be the quarterback that fell. And once the schedule came out and that's exactly what has happened, Alan is, and, and more people who are not badge bros. We also all universally agreed DJ Moore was going to be a faller. Um, Dalvin, I mean, Dalvin will be a faller for now. But then when he resigns, when he signs with the Dolphins or whatever, or whatever team he signs with, I think he'll probably come back up. What is, what's your so. take on Dalvin? I think Dalvin's a really interesting one because, like, I, I'm worried about him in terms of like how much he has left. I mean, the Vikings really don't seem interested in keeping him at well, all. His contract's horrible. I don't. I wouldn't read too much into that. Well, so is basically in the numbers I'm looking at in terms of his receiving efficiency, it's way down. Yeah. Um, well, he's got this. He's got this chronic shoulder injury, doesn't right. he? Like basically, yes. like, and so I just imagine that it's hard to be an efficient player when you have a chronic. But still, injury. was an efficient runner last year. Let's be fair. I mean, he no, was he like wasn't. Four point four no. yards per attempt. It's like he NFL next gen success rate. He was sixth worst, fifth worst. Yeah, okay. fifth worst. Um, so success rate was poor. Got it. Success he, he, he must have hit on some long runs then. I don't really remember his. His rush yards over attempt was also bad. Uh, it wasn't quite as bad, but it was negative. Four four so, four yards per carry isn't terrible. Yeah, That's but I guess it's like to me that the NGS they look stuff at was like, bad on him. Yeah, they look at like where the defenders are and mm-hmm. whatever on the play, and so he might have had some more light boxes. You know, they're running three wide a lot, I guess. So. Um, I mean, here's the thing. If Dalvin is the lead back for the Miami Dolphins, 71 is a good price on him, right? But yep. but if he ends up being in, I don't know, like what where, if he's he signs with the Buccaneers or something, you know, like they're, they're – oh, my God. What if he goes to the Chargers? Yeah, I guess, I guess we should probably start mixing him in because at least in terms of closing line value, like – but I don't know. I'm, I am worried about him in terms of – like he was worse than Dave Montgomery in rush yards over expected. I don't know. Is he going to be done? Like I don't know. I guess running backs do just get done, like whenever, and it just yeah. happens overnight. So, so it's totally possible. Yeah. Some guys lose it like real quick, and he's he's not young. He's yeah, he's like twenty seven. Turns twenty eight in August. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> you know who? So, you know who is hmm. the biggest value on this fallers list that we have right here? Kenny Kenny Walker has reached the point now where I'm. Him and Sharps, honestly, both. I'm I'm very comfortable clicking them where they go. So I've been saying Walker's a fifth round value ever since the draft, um, and so I kind of want him to fall a little further before. But I've seen him in the mid fifth, and I I'm down to take him there. Um, partly because I'm like I don't see him falling too much further than that. So it's like all right. I just think I, I think there's a real. That I think seems there's like a, a viable real... dead zone pick to me. Well, that's the thing is I think they're like, obviously that's just kind of, it's just kind of a dead zone of the draft in general. I mean, when you, when you get to where he's going, like, so after Gibbs, Watson and Joe Burrow go, dude, you're in the wilderness. You, you know, there's something to hate about pretty much everyone, honestly, for, for the rest of the draft. But sometimes I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, Kenny Walker or TJ Hawkinson, you know, or, or Kenny Walker or DJ Moore. And I'm like, I'm not clicking DJ Moore. Like no chance, right? 
And I, I do like Walker much more than the four running backs that go immediately after him. Jones, uh, Aaron Jones, Miles Sanders, yeah, J.K. Me Dobbins, too. and Joe Mixon. Me too. Although, I mean, I, I kind of like DJ Moore once he gets down into like the very late fourth, early fifth. I think that's. I, a I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna keep. I think he's gonna keep sliding. I think the. I, I think the slide now that now that projections and stuff are getting out there and people are doing rankings. I, I think we'll see. A slide. I don't think he slides too much past the the mid fifth because Fields is gonna be in the fourth, and so you just have that easy clean stack if you come back four or five. If turn. you take, yeah, you're gonna. So I don't think if you're waiting for sixth round DJ Moore, I don't think you're getting it. I um, think you should though. I think you should get it, but I don't. I but think, I, I, don't, I, I think, think you're it, right to say that you won't get it. Yeah. I just um, if I don't I don't think DJ Moore is going to be the guy who who kills my right. season. Honestly, if I don't if I and I've always loved DJ Moore, I've always been higher on the mark, but the this situation and and I know I mean no one really like. Dude, Chase Claypool is going to play, and and I don't care really that he was so bad for them last year. I, I mean, like, I do. If I'm if I'm worried about if I'm going to factor it into DJ Moore, I mean DJ Moore is going to have the best quarterback play like of his entire career. I just don't really. Know I think with the how... low volume, you need and, and more. One of the really exciting things about Moore is he's been successful at all depths. You need him to have the deep efficiency. Fields can throw a good deep ball. I think that's really central to him actually hitting some type of ceiling this year is that he hits on a lot of deep shots. So I think, Claypool I think that's, I think and that's also Tyler Scott, who they brought in in the draft, is a, is a good deep shot guy that I think will hit on a few of those this year. I think Moore might get used underneath a decent amount. Well, Tyler Scott was what, a day three pick? I mean, he's, he's Danny Gray. He's Danny Gray. Danny Gray. They'll run him on some some clear out routes, I think. He's a he's got speed, right? Uh here's the thing. If if what you just said is true and DJ Moore is the underneath guy in the Justin Fields bears off. No, then it's over. (laughs) That's why I said it's so central that he gets deep shots. Absolutely. And the other my point is, and then Darnell Mooney as well. The other receivers, and even Velas Jones, if they use him at all, the other receivers they have in this passing game are all vertical. Jones existed. <laughs> I, I think isn't Vila Jones like a like a big Tavon Austin? Isn't he just a gadgety guy? Yeah, he's like a punt returner. He's also thirty seven, yeah. so he might retire before. This yeah, season. so I don't think we need right. to worry about him. I think if you just look at kind of what happened here with the Bears, they came in last year and they were like, "We don't even know what we have, and we're certainly not going to commit to Justin Fields." They didn't. They didn't bring in. I mean, I guess they brought in Claypool halfway through the year, which was a terrible trade. But they they didn't do anything with the offensive line. He didn't really have any weapons. And then when they move off the number one pick, a big part of that trade was them getting DJ Moore. So I think there's at least a chance that we see a bit of a different Bears team than what we saw last year. Because last year, they I mean, were... if they play the way they played last year, it's going to be over. awful yeah. for everyone but Fields. Yeah. I, I, I expect. But that change. was like historical. That was like some real, like, ideological shit. That's what. So that's, I think that's like the important point is that when people are projecting this increase in pass attempts for the bears. It's like, you're it's that's like saying like, you know, we're going from the bronze age to like, we have the wheel now, you know, that, that's not, that's not historically accurate, but it's like, it's not, it's not the leap. It's not the statement. The you bronze think age you're happened making. after the wheel. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, I, I didn't, I didn't, that, that was not, that was not, that was not the right analogy for me. It's like, <laughs> But basically, they could they could throw twenty percent more and still be yeah. the lowest or second lowest volume passing offense in the NFL. For 
for sure yeah but that's actually part of the reason why i like, like have some optimism for more because sure. it's like some regression like be the ravens be the ravens and i'm psyched you know like i mean if hopefully... that's so like i, guess... I don't think you are psyched at a fourth no no you know. no because well not at not at where he was going but i'm saying if i'm getting him in the fifth i'm i think i'm okay with that part of part of the idea of them being the ravens is that fields also just like as lamar did take a big step in efficiency that fields also takes a big step in yeah. efficiency which is easier for running quarterbacks to do because the safeties are you know like they have a different job against run there are a lot of different reasons for that i I think my prior is that Fields is not that guy. And I, I'm always I'm willing to adjust my priors, <laughs> but I think really it's just the sacks thing for Fields. It right. just, it sacks bothers, is real. It bothers, so a number of Thornship so much. A number of Thornship chasing a couple times, 28%. 28% of his dropbacks last year did not turn into a pass attempt, which is an astronomical number. He was tied <laughs> to the league lead in sacks. A <laughs> massive <laughs> He, he led the NFL in scrambles, and he also was tied for the league lead in sacks. And his dropback yeah. number was very low because they didn't call a lot of passes. So the fact that he, from a raw perspective, led in both of those non-pass attempt categories isn't great. That's I think it speaks to Claypool and Mooney not winning down the field as like big-time vertical threats. But I also think it speaks to why they went and got DJ Moore. They're like, we need a legit number one who can be open quicker in the dropback. We don't yeah, have a great yeah. offensive line. I think they specifically see him as this yak guy in shorter and intermediate ranges. He does have deep threat ability, but they already had all that on their short, roster. Short and intermediate. Is like Why did they acquire DJ Moore? And for me, it's, well, they want to make it so that that, that, that does, has a place to go with the ball early in his drop back. It feels, and, and it so feels a scrambling. little precise to me to say, though, that he's only going to do that. Like I don't think so, thing, but it's a big part of the range, right? Like you have to be, I think it, it's precise to, to find a way out of this working. Right, like from a number perspective, like you yeah. have to get a regression on volume. You got to get a regression on fields of efficiency. You got to get regression on on volume, both in terms of call pass plays and the scrambles and sack stuff. Probably both sides of those have to get better. And his, his overall pass attempt versus dropback ratio has to improve from both angles, which are two different issues in my opinion, or related. But I mean, there's there's a lot of things a guy, that have to though, change along the way. We're getting a guy. I mean, in some ways, I don't think it's that precise to bet on more it's sort of just it's like it's a pretty simple thing like this is a guy we we're taking in the third round last year who is going to have an upgraded in quarterback play and is and can do everything he can be he can win deep he can win it's, underneath it's, i know he didn't it, have a great year probably, last year. It is that's probably the other thing simple. on a precise thing simple. pat that you just hit on that he didn't have a great year last year either we're not pricing that in at all he was going to the third round well, last year i loved it he came down yeah. last year in targets yeah. per out run and in a, in a, in a, in a, lowest yards per out run of his career I mean, not a great season last year as he started to get into his further into his twenties. He did have the play. worst quarterback in the entire yeah. league last year. So. He has his whole career. He's typically overcome it still. The right, you know, the yak and stuff wasn't still there. It was a little bit concerning, actually. It, that is it. That is, a, I think, actually a pr pretty decent concern because on top of the volume stuff, now we have to wonder: Did DJ Moore is he falling off a little bit already? Right. So. Yeah, but I I think at the, I don't, in the fifth I don't, round I, I'm, I don't I'm think into that. it. I don't think that. I don't think I don't see any fall off from him. Like I, I'm just saying, in terms of you have to get a lot of things right for this to be right. There's all the volume stuff I was saying. There's at least a minor concern that his numbers last year were worse than any other year in his career, objectively. I don't in think you have to of, get that many things right. I have to think you have to get he's he's DJ Moore. He's not he didn't become bad. He's DJ Moore, super talented guy who succeeded with terrible quarterbacks, and. The Bears pass a little bit more, and Fields isn't isn't horrible. It is yeah. it's three things.
but it, which is which is too much for like a middle of the fourth round pick, which is why he's falling. But I think if he falls a little more, because I, well, I I've done things where I've taken him in the late fourth because the guys on the turn already had quarterbacks. You know, right. like one guy's got Allen, one guy's got Hurts or whatever. And I'm like, and then Fields comes back around because Fields is falling a little bit too. So I think if you can set up that stack, I, I'm into it. I mean, if Fields has a great year, DJ Moore's going to crush. Like that, that I feel pretty strongly about. Hunter, yes. Yeah, absolutely. I have that backwards. I think if DJ Moore crushes, then Fields is having a great year. But I don't think it's a precursor to Fields having a great year. I don't think you have to stack him with Moore. I think you don't Mooney's have to a decently anymore, talented bro. player. Claypool's a decently talented player. If Fields runs a ton and those guys are good enough, Moore can definitely be an underwhelming performance at this ADP and Fields can still smash with rushing and, and other guys contributing. Yeah, it's probably fair just how much rushing equity he has. Right. Um, he can run for a thousand yards. Anyone else? On, oh, I wanted to mention on the Allen stuff and the quarterback stuff just in general. I do think that there's something with – okay, so Burrow goes like in a range that makes absolutely – zero cents right you can't you can't stack burrow because he goes kind of in that early fourth round range and i'm like who has who has been drafting burrow like you can't get him with chase or higgins who are on the other side of the board and part of me just feels like maybe he has to fall a little bit i've seen fields starting to fall a bit um I, I, this is DraftKings, so who knows if it's meaningful but i've gotten fields in like the early fifth round and I'm like, okay, if Burrow and Fields were to fall, and I know that I can get those guys a couple rounds later as a early part of the board drafter, then why am I taking like Allen and Mahomes and Hertz there when I'm like, well, oh, I can get Fields and Burrow a few rounds later, like, and maybe I'm stacked. Maybe I as the Jamar Chase drafter, I'm like, well, I feel confident I can get burrow later if he starts to fall so i think like these all these early quarterbacks are kind of intertwined because if they oh they're definitely all i mean look at six of these names up here are all quarterbacks falling i think the quarterback market is just correcting a little bit because everyone was just a little bit pumped up yeah but i think burrow might be the key to it if burrow falls to the end of the fourth then i think all these quarterbacks i i I think trevor lawrence is the canary in the coal mine because he just does not deserve to be like a sixth round pick or whatever I have I have uh, Watson ranked over him in my pure rank. Yeah, Lawrence, I completely agree on that. Like very aggressive projection of what he did late in the year and what that means and how Ridley's going to fit. Like I'll, I, he's got to be without a ton of rushing equity. I mean, he's got some mobility, but he's got to be like a like a top three, yeah, top he's, five he's, efficiency he's be, passer. He's got to be year. like Mahomes or Burrow basically yeah. to turn that price. All right, let's let's yeah. talk about let's talk about Trey Lance. So <laughs> so today. My understanding is this is a weekly thing on ADP, Jason. It is. It's a weekly thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> what what is so bizarre about it? I do, the so the market right now is basically like we don't know because Purdy is not going any higher. Darnold is like going ahead of like starting quarterbacks. You know, Dar- <laughs> Darnold is like the quarterback thirty-five. How was he the answer? Darnold, Darnold feels like a burned pick. Like, I'm He's not never been good ever. Gretch, Why would we expect Gretch, him to be you, good? You're literally like it's you're the we're all trying to find the guy who did this meme. You popularized the idea that they gave him a bunch of money I, and told true. him that this is he had fault. a chance to start. This is literally your deal, dude. 
Wait, what? Darnold? No, my point was the things they were saying in the media about, yeah, he has a chance to start, are what you would expect for them bringing in a quarterback, and that their reaction to bringing in a third quarterback made perfect sense if you look at the way their season went last year where three quarterbacks got hurt, including one in the NFC Championship game, and they had no one to play. Yeah, they're going to go get more quarterback depth. They think that's smart. And yeah, to entice a former top five pick, they're going to tell me he has a chance to start. I don't think he actually has a chance to start. Like, that's the thing is like, I don't think he's good. I don't think he can win the job from a talent perspective. I don't think they're serious with what they're saying in the spring about what's actually going to happen in training camp. I don't know. I think he can probably beat out Trey Lance in a fair fight, to be honest, at this point. Oh, man. He's Didn't you hear the good. Trey Lance after four days in the lab fixes throwing motion? <laughs> no, no, dude. So there's I, Corrine and I, our DMs are just us going back and forth on players who are terrible. And so our, the most like we I like every time I get like a Trey Lance blurb that breaks my mind, I just show it to him. And the most recent one is that the guy who worked with Mahomes coming out of Texas Tech spent time working with Trey Lance. It was like, yeah, normally it takes about a day to like, you know, kind of go through everything and understand what a guy's doing, you know, uh, mechanistically or whatever. Took four days with Trey. Like basically... <laughs> Like basically, like just, have you ever thrown like, before? Why is your motion so inconsistent? Why right. does it look like a five-year-old's? It's it's insane. <laughs> so like, I think I I started out. I mean, Crane and I were arguing about this a lot in the first iterations of this program. I'm a Purdy bro now. I'm like the 49ers hate Trey Lance. They it's like it's like you know someone will ask Kyle Shanahan some oh you know D'Amico Ryan's left. You know, what are you going to do about the defense? And he'll be like, yeah, yeah, no, totally. But, like, fuck Trey Lance. So, like, make sure you get that <laughs> in the article. <laughs> like, so, I'm I'm just a Purdy bro now. And uh, the report that came out this week is uh, Ari Murav uh, at my sports update said something I had not heard, which is that as a part of this hybrid surgery that they did with Trey Lance or with Purdy, that they'll know where he is on his healing curve if he's going to be ready like if the surgery was successful by like June. So th they'll basically be able to look at it, hmm. judge his recovery, judge his uh, probably like his grip, his grip strength and stuff and be like, yeah, this is going to work or no. So all the offseason discussions are going to have a winner or a loser by June. That's exciting. Well, so <laughs> yeah. Cobra Kai saying that he's Trey Lance has never been cheaper, but can only be used in three quarterback builds and his ceiling uh, could be Jalen Hurts. Da -da -da. I disagree with this three quarterback build thing yeah, pretty strongly. Too. You I think a, you're, you can burn an entry on Trey Lance. Why not? Yeah. If you're going to take Trey Lance, the payoff only happens if you draft in a two quarterback build because that's an extreme only. Well, I, 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 I don't, don't, I don't, I don't agree with that. I agree with the large point you're trying to make here about yeah. like, you're trying to win a couple million dollars. Well, so let, like, let me, don't, don't, let me finish the point. Go ahead. Cause I, I think, okay. How does Trey Lance pay off? Trey Lance pays off because he is the guy who's starting right away because Brock Purdy isn't ready. And pretend, potentially, Brock Purdy, you know, we get news that the surgery didn't go great. He's going to have to get another surgery or whatever. You don't want to have, if that happens, Trey Lance in the 15th round is an absolute smash, provided you drafted like he is actually going to be your quarterback too. I don't think you want to have burned a 10th round pick on another quarterback. Otherwise, like, you, what have you really gained? with drafting Trey Lance. Sure, he's going to be helpful, but you you you've spent too much of the quarterback position. You didn't you didn't build your team to benefit from that win enough in my opinion. 
So I think you can gain playoff ceiling without. I mean, because one of the one of the things the market might be telling us is that multiple guys are going to start games here, and so like that, part of which the answer, I think, which I think I agree with, by the way. Yeah, like so the part of my thing with Sam Donald is not that he can't start games. It's that I don't. I think he'll fucking suck, and then he'll start. You'll have to. He'll get benched after three games, right? They'll go to someone else, whoever's, whether it's Lance or Purdy or whatever. I think they're they're gonna potentially use multiple guys. This is you talk like. Mariota and Ritter. This was the thought going in last year, and the market was pretty correct about it. Mariota could be pretty good late round, but not valuable enough for what matters because he might miss the right. which is, games which is that why you, Which is why you take Purdy, I think. Which is why. Right. Which is why because when the games matter, Purdy's playing. So right, and so a comment here at that price, Trey Lance could pay off just putting up thirty in Week Seventeen. That's not the play that Trey Lance is. Trey Lance is not a week 17 play. Purdy's the week 17 play. Yeah, Purdy's the guy I who, agree. if you're just trying to have someone come Fair. in and help you at the end of the season, draft a three quarterback team with Purdy. Yeah. But Tr- Trey Lance is a, he takes the job from week one and runs and with wins it. it. Yeah. He's good. He's yeah. good. Yeah, He's he able to keep smashes. Purdy on the bench. And he adds Ooh. another element to their offense that they can't take out anymore because yes. he can rush. Then that exactly. opens up the playbook and they're like, we got to keep starting him. Exactly. And so in that, if that happens, do you want that in a two or a three? You strongly want that in a two quarterback build. And you, yeah, by the way, your team's agreed. not going to win. If you take Trey Lance in the 15th round, like I guess you could overcome it, you know, having a dead 15th round pick certainly, but it's like, then just don't take him. <laughs> if you don't think he's going to win the job outright, just don't take him then take someone else. Yeah. If you have, if you have no conviction in Trey Lance, like just, just don't, it's not an ambiguous. Yeah, no, I agree with this. It's not an ambiguous. Like we talk about ambiguous backfields with running backs and like what the payoff is with quarterbacks. It doesn't have to be that because you can just go to a different quarterback that is going to start 17 games or very likely will start 17 games. Right. right? Like you don't have to be right on an ambiguous quarterback situation. Cause if each of them does start the, the Niners had one year where they had three different quarterbacks started, but like almost exactly a third of the season. It was the year they acquired Garoppolo late. If each of these guys does start multiple games, probably all of them won't be great plays. Even if there is a ceiling game in there yeah, somewhere, because yeah. it won't be great for builds. You'd like to have multiple quarterbacks, two quarterbacks, ideally that are playing 17 games and are both good and open up the rest of your roster. Like to, to use a spot on a guy that, only starts you know eight or fewer games but has some ceiling games is probably pretty tough because quarterback points are replaceable as you've written about this offseason season pat like the 30 points in week 17 that obviously on its face would be ideal it would be great to have in your on your thing but it's more replaceable quarterback than a 30 point spike week at any other position right like we're not just trying to grab out of ambiguous quarterbacks situations the way we are at other positions it doesn't make it the payoff isn't as large right it's not as large yeah uh the comment here is saying you can get Lance in the last round. If you can get Lance in the last round, which is in his ADP, then you can. You can fine, Fair, fine, fairly yeah. frequently. You can. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not. This is more of a take of like if you're trying to make sure you get like Lance exposure <laughs> at this price generally. Yeah, I, and I think yeah, pair him with pair him with an elite probably. Someone mentioned that he's kind of like Kyler, where you can pair him with an elite. Yeah, Chipsy Lark said. He's like Kyler. If he's your second quarterback with an elite, I've been goal. doing. I've been doing this. I've been doing this Kyler thing of like the you know, wind horse meme. Like what? Like what if Kyler comes back in like week six and is like Kyler because he's just so happy to not be with Cliff anymore? Like it's pretty intriguing, right? Yeah. Because the yeah because the whole market is treating the Cardinals like they're they're radioactive and they very well might be. I mean their roster is terrible, but if the new coach is good, if Kyler's feeling better. You know, Rondale, DeAndre, 
I'm not obviously Hollywood. able to draft a ton of underdogs, but I'm drafting my uh, uh, John Bosch runs that that fancy cares eliminator leagues. And yeah. so the eliminator leagues, you can get balanced each week. Kyler was radioactive to everyone in my league. And I eventually took him out. I was thinking the same thing as you. Like, I mean, it's a super flex format, but I was like, I can see the upside later in the year, early in the year, you know, the, it starts yeah. to whittle down totally different format, but I, you would think in an eliminator league, you would stay away from Kyler, but I'm enough with you on this that I, I could see it that I was like, I'm willing to take this bet. The, the big payoff though, is that quarterback pricing is so expensive relative to where it's been in years past. Like last year, for example, with Deshaun Watson, 12 game suspension. I'm like, I don't have any interest. I don't think his ceiling is that high in week 17 relative to all these other guys. So I didn't do any, but now I like, for example, run that back with quarterback pricing this year instead of Mahomes in the fifth Mahomes goes at pick 18 I probably would have taken some 12 game suspension to Sean Watson right and Kyler's basically offering the same value prop with a good week 17 game that you can set yeah. up like you yeah. you skip skip Jalen Hurts when you take AJ Brown then take a running back then take Devonta Smith then take DeAndre Hopkins and take Kyler in like a three quarterback build where you have an early like a for sure starter you can also get Rondale late you can get Trey McBride late you can get Ertz late if you prefer that you could take Ertz Gerald in the last round yeah like there's lots of ways you can get kind of boxed out and then go to a three quarterback build with Kyler I haven't probably done it enough but he he you can't you can't chase that up though because we do have to be concerned about no no you you cannot like once he gets like if he's going ahead of like Jared Goff and Geno I'm out yeah oh yeah he's got to be dirt cheap absolutely yeah um all right, let's go to the next slide here. Okay. Game All stacks. Right, this is the week 17 game stacks. This chart always breaks my brain a little bit. Uh, it's already broken, Brian. Expensive yeah, so team, cheap team. So here's so we so have gaps one. like the Carolina Jacksonville one. We have the cheap team is Carolina. Jacksonville's expensive. Um, yeah. You guys are doing great. So so in this chart. Let me start at the expensive side. I, I have to say, know how to read our I've done, uh, you I've done Tyreek Waddle, Mark Andrews, and it's real. It's really fun. It's really <laughs> fun. I know that's a lot to spend on one game, but you can get to a later, and he lines up pretty well with those those ADPs to where you're not, uh, like having to reach. And you've also like locked up, like basically someone would have to take naked Tua if they're gonna snipe you on him. Because it's like who who else you can't really back backdoor stack to it too easily, um, so that one even though it's expensive, I actually do enjoy that one quite a bit. So the way that I would read this chart is if you it's not necessarily what you just described because you're hitting on both in the expensive range. But if you're in the expensive range and you're questioning, oh, do I want to keep taking Buffalo pieces? You can because you can hit the New England pieces later and still make that game stack work, and you're probably not going to have a lot of Buffalo pieces later. What's that? No, you got Shakir and you got Hardy. There um, are, yeah, also, there's some flyers. Cook sure. and Harris later on. There's so maybe Jacksonville, Carolina is a better example. But, like, if you're paying for your st- Jacksonville stack early, you can still hit on your Carolina stack late, right? It's sort of the yeah. concept here. Yeah. What do you guys think about stacking basically quarterback irrelevant? So, like, just being like, all right, I got the, the aforementioned Kyler Murray, uh, Jared Goff, and Sam Howell but I stacked Kansas City, Cincinnati, and Arizona, Philadelphia, or, or Dallas, Detroit, or whatever, without the quarterbacks. Like, we're, like basically the basically as a way to bypass paying huge price tags on quarterbacks because they're so expensive this year. 
So one way I've, yeah, I like that a lot. I wrote an article about that um, on Legendary Upside. A couple articles that are kind of reinforcing the idea of like stacking without the quarterback. I think it's pretty important, especially in a field that's, you know, 400 plus in best ball mania. Um, like 600, you're 600 plus, buddy. No, it's 441, the final. Oh, I meant total field size. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, the week 17 final. So you're going to sure. need to hit on like a few different things. And so, okay, let's say you're now betting on like Patrick Mahomes to have a huge game. I do think you want to maybe do that while you also have a pretty strong quarterback yourself. Um, but I think Richardson fits that. Like you could potentially go get like Anthony Richardson and then stack up one of these big games. I've also done stuff where I have an Allen or I have a Hertz or a Mahomes. I like aggressively target the Chargers guys. And I'm like, the char- like Justin Herbert's not going to hurt me because I have an elite quarterback. And I'm trying to scoop up these Chargers receivers, get some Denver guys on the other side. It helps that I really like Marvin Mims at his ADP. So I can like stack up that game, but then also have a big stack of an elite quarterback game. And my bet becomes like, Herbert might even outscore my quarterback, but not by a lot. Not and I've got by, by his five receivers going off. Of 10 yeah, points. exactly. And I, but I've got, I've got a stack that's hitting and then I've got another stack that's hitting and that's how I get to the top. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. I mean, I, I like this strategy, like in DFS, like when there's, you know, a $5,000 punt quarterback and then doing Kansas city, Los Angeles or whatever. Uh, the one uh, thing I want to throw on this chart, the, the ADP change line is probably the main point here. And it's showing how much more expensive or cheaper the stacks are becoming the negative numbers. There's this really helpful little pink, uh, quote box here that I read, which was the instruction manual. <laughs> so Atlanta, Chicago has gotten the cheapest minus 1.1 average ADP for those pieces. Arizona, Philly also getting cheaper minus 0.9, about a pick on average. You have Tennessee Houston as the cheapest stack getting more expensive. So people are like, hey, it's really cheap. That, game that, game, that game, by the way, like if I was just ranking games, that would probably be like one of the best games. That like, seems fun. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Take, if it's that cheap. You take, you take a little Derrick Henry, you take a little Chig, a little John Mechie, a little Will. It's it's a beautiful You can't get Burks in there? It. You can't throw Burks in? You don't I don't think you really want Henry and Burks, right? So if you have Pierce, yeah, you want Burks, yeah. but I don't think I don't think you want Henry and Burks together. I want to throw like a singletary in on that. Like I think he Oh, can... I've thrown singletary in. Yeah. yeah. That's fun. Yeah, I I like Stroud as kind of a backdoor stack type of guy. Um yeah. I don't I don't love Stroud as prospect, but he's he's priced pretty nicely. Um I think probably Pierce being hurt or missing that game for one reason or another would make the game more fun is why I was thinking Singletary, just to clarify mm. that take. I mean, I, I like Pierce as a pick too, but I, if he's healthy, he might be getting 25 carries. That game's less fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if Derrick Henry gets 33 carries, Damian Pierce gets 25, the game's over in 110 minutes. You know, right. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, not what, that's not what we're hoping for. That's not the scenario. Rams uh, Giants is another one that I like because you can go like, you don't even need to set that up that early. You can go get like Waller you can, in, the, in the seventh. You could go. Then, you could go Stafford, Hyatt, Tutu, Van, or Higby, or whatever. Higby and Van. Yeah, you honestly can. Yeah, and you get all the Giants receivers late too. So, like, I mean, Paris Campbell. I don't take a ton, but I took him recently. I was like, they did give him a lot of money actually. So maybe he, maybe he actually has a role. But those guys are. It's so ambiguous that I, I'm like. 
if I have Daniel Jones and Waller, is it bad to just be like, I'm going to today, I'm going to go Hodgins and Campbell or today I'm going to go. No, no. Why would. Yeah, no, I think that's 100% fine. I want to ask you guys a question because you're drafting more than me. Uh, uh, For Detroit, Dallas, their team ADPs are really close on this. Do you guys find, is that just because it's an average and the, the, the ADP ranges are different for each team? Or do you find it difficult to stack that game because there's too many players in the same draft ranges? I find it difficult to stack that game. Okay, the, the, that might be a way no, to interpret there this. Are, there are no good late players from Detroit is the big issue. So you have to set it up with Amon Ross St. Brown and Gibbs. And that's it, pretty much. And then... You also got to do the lamb. You can do the lamb on and up top. Yeah, sure. And then, and then, um, I mean, Dallas, uh, they have, uh, you know, Gallup is wide receiver 66. And then Ferguson, Ferguson's actually probably, I bet if I look right now, I bet Ferguson's my most drafted tight end. You, I mean, it's not a surprise to me. You loved, uh, Jarwin a couple of years ago. I feel like you're always, he literally, so dude, he literally is just Dalton Schultz and Blake Jarwin. Like, there's no difference between, like, like these, like if you want to go back in time and like act like either of those guys were uh, prospects, no, Taysom no. is my most drafted. But Ferguson, <laughs> but, Ferguson but as it should be, as it should Ferg- be. Ferguson's getting Dulcich is my number two. Oh wow! Him. Wow, you're go. just gonna keep eating it on the Denver tight end, huh? Every year. Well, it's every it's year. that it's that Russ is Russ is I think a a, a really good pick. It's right not now. just Dallas; it's Dallas and Denver. You got these two teams that you just love taking the tight ends from. So wait, would you the, say Russ is a really good pick right now? I I think it's like obviously if he could just flame out and be awful, but I think if you're you're getting into that range of the draft and you're like, all right, well, if like try and tell yourself a story about how these guys become like top scorers at quarterback, you know, and I you just can't you you cannot tell yeah, yourself a story yeah. about. Uh, the Russ one's easy. He's insane, and that makes a wide range of outcomes. Maybe he just bounces back. Like I, we we don't know what he is from an actual like off yeah. the field. Like he's maybe a sociopath. Yeah, yeah, he's, 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 he seems really he seems really grounded. <laughs> <laughs> Crane, that was like your your funniest moments on this show are never like big huge moments. Like when Pete is like doing a bit, it's always just like very very subtle that was that was a, an all-time ship chasing moment but like yeah he goes around Derek carr jordan love bryce young matt stafford like zero top 12 seasons in the range of outcomes for those guys i think but if russ like the the thing that i keep coming back to is that drew Brees was done drew Brees had a pea shooter couldn't move in the pocket couldn't just could not do shit and he just kept churning out 4,500 yard seasons with Sean Payton as his head coach. So uh, to me, I don't even care about the physical decline, which seems rapid for Russell Wilson. But if if he can just buy in, and maybe he won't, right? Because as Corrine said, like he just can't buy in because he's too, uh, you know, egomaniacal or whatever. But if he does buy in, there are a lot of talented players on that offense. Like a lot, of, like there's a lot yeah. of guys who can make that engine go. It's so, easy to, to acknowledge uncertainty with Russ. I mean, it, it, we have no idea what to we, last year was ma- massively different than expectations, right? Like, yeah, yeah. so why couldn't this year be? That's probably that's probably my favorite. Even though it's expensive, that's probably my favorite game for mini stacks and just trying to stack it up without the quarterbacks because um, I don't know what is going to happen with Russ. But to your point about you know. Uh, Peyton being able to get stuff out of Breeze, I think he could get plenty out of Stidham. 
And if it's Stidham at the end of the year, like I'm not actually that worried about the offense You're, yeah, right. not putting up points. Yeah. So it's like, okay, like if I have a couple other quarterbacks, yeah, I would prefer to have had Russ if he ends up having a great year for sure. You know, and I think he is priced at a point where he does make sense. I've taken him too. I'm not like fading Russ necessarily, <laughs> but I still just kind of, I just like really like that game as I'm going to get pieces of this game and see how it plays out. If Russ falls to me at a value, cool. You he had a lot of Russ last year, right? I'm just, yeah, I'm just I, thinking I was, about this. I'm remembering you being really in on Denver last year. You were saying a few different times. I was way. I mean, in, are yeah. you even good at best ball? Like, how how was your win rate? That was pretty big. You were like all over Denver. Like, it seems like you must at have had a all, horrible season. All the fucking sweaty, all the sweaty nerds were all over Denver. <laughs> yeah. Hey, this man, went this terribly why, for why, you on this bet. That's why we mix up our exposures because. You also got to make sure to stack up Tom Brady in his final yeah, season when it all falls right. when it all falls apart because <laughs> he might have one good game at the very he might very he end. might have one yeah. good game but then not even use Mike Evans like thirty seven ball or whatever oh you can't draft Mike Evans you can't no. draft Mike Evans like no. I dude you know how many times I've like double checked that he was taken ahead of my pick in the second round because I didn't I didn't take him on that team that's so um, funny. All right, what else? What else to cover? Yeah. Any any other stacks? Let's move to the next one. I don't. I mean, unless you guys got anything, but no, I got nothing. I think we got a lot out of that slide for how much we understood it. Now we got another <laughs> one to figure out. <laughs> well, this uh, is. Well, shit. Maybe I don't understand. Oh yeah. Well, while we figured out, I just want to answer this real quick about. I do think Judy's a little bit steamed up. I think Sutton is somewhat overvalued or undervalued. I think he's like acceptable. To me, a big thing is like you can go get Dulcich. Sometimes he'll fall really late. And then Marvin Mims is like super easy. So I know there's probably and, and P Ryan, I think, is pretty interesting if you're building light at running back, which I often am. Who's gonna different... be the first who's gonna be the first tout to be brave enough to try and make KJ Hamler happen again? It's possible. So Sean, Sean, yeah, the, totally. the, the thing that I would say about that question as well, real quick, is both Sutton and Judy have had trade rumors. It would not be a surprise if one of them still got moved this offseason. I don't think with the with the Mims pick. And that's where you can start making the Hamler case, too. But like Dulcich, Mims and stuff. And if it's like just Judy, let's say Sutton got moved. Maybe it, it's not going to happen, but they have a lot of depth at receiver. It wouldn't be that surprising to me. Yeah, this chart, though, goes really well with the last chart. It answers my question about Detroit and Dallas in terms of what ranges the court it's the average of the double stack but then what ranges the quarterback and the two top passing names go so you can see how to stack those teams um and detroit and dallas are you got you mentioned that amon Ra and and cd go early so you see their wide receiver one is early for both teams and then the the qb and the wide receiver two both go sort of in the same range probably hard to get all different pieces in, in those spots some some teams are just like really hard so like I just find myself not stacking them just because it's the ranges are just so bizarre and someone else always wants it more than I do. Yeah. One, one that I like is that San Francisco commanders game. Um, yeah, I do that one a lot and you don't need the quarterbacks there. I've mentioned this on the show before, but it is just one that I kind of come back to and you can play it any number of ways. Like I've done it with McCaffrey and then McLaurin and you're like, you know, the, the 49ers are just going to beat the crap out of the commanders and they're just gonna have to throw a ton. I think that's like a very, very plausible. I, I find there. myself, I find myself taking Howell and Purdy or just like these cheap quarterbacks a lot. Just like I get kerfuffled in the middle of a draft and I'm like, I got to figure out a back stack. Right. So I got to take, uh, you know, so I take Dotson in round eight and then I take Howell or 
Um, I mean, the the big bailout one I do is Jacoby Myers and Jimmy Garoppolo, which is like that's the that's like my real fail. And then if you're if you're truly stuck and you just have to do it to make yourself feel better, you can take Mac Jones in round seventeen and Hunter Henry in round eighteen. That's, you can also uh, do Thornton, Thornton and Mac Jones sure. too. Sure. I mean, that is like, that's just, you're just doing it. So if you screenshot the team, no one makes fun of you for <laughs> yeah. having like an unsacked team. It's so, it's so you don't get yelled at. <laughs> you, you know the team's dead. You just don't want to get yelled at. Right. No, look, I, stuck, I planned it all out. I, hey, you know, dude, Tyquan Thornton was on the million dollar team last year. So how bad can it be? <laughs> it's true. Tyquan Thornton. That's why Pat uh, thinks DJ Moore is not bad. I figured that out like 10 minutes after we got off DJ Moore, but he was on the he was on the million dollar team last year. You got a little bit of God damn it. <laughs> Stop figuring out my biases. Okay. Uh why why would the Raiders not be the the best team to stack? I, I think the Raiders combination of high end guy, Adams and Jacobs, multiple cheat pieces that you can sell yourself on, whether it be Meyer, whether it be Renfro. I mean, Renfro is like free. He had a thousand yards and six touchdowns like 18 months ago. And he's just dead. Right. Because I guess, because the assumption is you can't play three slot wide receivers all the right. time. But I guess they wouldn't sign a slot, the best slot receiver on the market. Why? That's yeah, weird. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. But then, and then Garoppolo's free too. And they're in a, they're in a fucking dome in week 17 against the Colts. <laughs> like it's, I, 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 like I just that. I'm taking Raiders and Colts players a lot in these drafts. So one thing that's not really priced into Myers and Renfro, and maybe it shouldn't be priced in much, but is there any chance that Adams does force his way off the team? I mean, he's already kind of totally. making noises. He's so, literally he's literally already like I fucking hate it here. Like <laughs> I came here to I would hate it there Bowl. too. Yeah. I, I mean Myers and Renfro, like are Who might be the perfect receivers with Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> it's an eight, not yeah. a 4.5, you know, it would kind of be perfect. It would be, it would Who be. trades for him though. I don't think the jets can go get him for Rogers. I don't even think the saints can go get him for car. Who else is like going out of their way to get Adams at a really steep price right someone, now? Someone, someone always will. Yeah, it's it's Adams. Yeah. Someone, someone will figure it out if he, if he really wants to do it. Yeah. You'd rather have Adams than Hopkins, you know? So I don't know. I mean, do the Chiefs? Do the Chiefs get Adams? That'd be pretty cool. I, in division, uh, I don't think the Raiders are sending him to the Chiefs. No, I was just thinking we that don't, too, but... we don't, we don't give thirty-year-old players that much money. We, we, Tyreek Hill had like a bajillion yards and a million touchdowns, and they said, "You're 28, dude. Out of here, yep. kick rocks." I mean, well, maybe something like the of... Giants or something. But is Adams going to be happy with the Giants if he's not happy with the Raiders? Like, it's just no, pro- probably. Although, I mean, he could earn a ton of target. He'd be kind of yeah. perfect with Daniel Jones. Yeah, that would be a good one, actually. Good coach. And I mean, yeah. maybe something like that could work. But yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I don't know if I don't. I I'm I'm I don't think because oh. what about like the Panthers? Hopkins, just, just give the guy, give the that's, young quarterback his number. Kind of one a David target. Tepper, David Tepper type move. Um, he he did give Adam Thielen all that money, so maybe he does like old people. They have a ton of space still. Um, I mean, it feels like the thing is, any team that would make that move for Adams doesn't it feel like they would just acquire Hopkins for cheaper? I mean, I like don't know. cheaper, I mean, it, cheaper in terms of pick compensation <laughs> and his contract is smaller and shorter. Yeah. If I had Bryce Young and I'm like, I want to make sure this guy succeeds. I'm going after Adams. 
I think he's kind I mean, of perfect I'd, for a young quarterback. Yeah. I, I I don't know if I agree with that or not. He gets I open. Think, he just gets open. No, no, but I, I just saying in terms of like the compensation between those two players is really different. Yeah, maybe you're right. I don't I guess are you giving up like a But I guess if you're if so I guess that. if you're the Panthers just like having a superstar like Devontae Adams, who's certainly more famous and a bigger get than Hopkins is, like that probably swings on it too. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I've, I've taken some Jacoby Myers, um, <laughs> who was also on my team last year. So maybe it's just part of that bias. But yeah. Playing the hits. Crane's yeah. on, <laughs> Crane, on tour playing Smells Like Teen Spirit for the 19th night in a row. <laughs> you just got to do it. Like, t- all right, I got I mean, uh, why wouldn't you? If I want $2 million, I'd draft the same fucking team every year for the rest of my life. Who cares? Like, he, can't, he can't draft Brady anymore. There's would, no way he say, could ever be a net loser in fantasy football. He could just burn his money drafting Jacoby Myers for the rest of his career. I saw the headline come in that Brady was talking to the Raiders, and I was like, are we taking Brady again? Is he coming back? <laughs> <laughs> Brady to Brady. Jacoby? Who says yes? <laughs> it, it, does, it does seem insane to me that people were taking Gronk all offseason right after he retired yeah. right yeah. up until the point even when like you know he's do he weighs like 220 pounds he's doing the wwe people are still taking gronk but people are not taking brady right now well he is in uh ownership uh discussions rather than player discussions so i think i, don't I think brady's buy, pretty I don't, retired i don't fucking buy it dude tom brady tom brady is a mentally unwell person you think he's gonna wait to see what team's going to the playoffs and come back in November? I, I'm not. Well, Davis, I'm not do you have ruling, any evidence of that? Of him yeah, I'm not ruling. I'm not ruling shit out when it comes to Tom Brady. Honestly, could he play for the Raiders if he was an owner? Is that is that like a thing? It's a. I mean, honestly, I don't think that bridge has been crossed. I don't think any owners have needed to try to play. They used I think to, you can they, play for your own team, right? They used to have player coaches back in the day. Like I way guess that back was a Michael Jordan thing when he bought the Bobcats, wasn't it? Like, hey, he might come play for the Bobcats. And they're yeah, like, right. Hey, he could do that. Uh, I mean, George George Hallis, the Bears guy, was was maybe the owner, but definitely was a coach and a player. Dude, I know. There has never been anyone more cucked in the history of the world than if jimmy g can't start <laughs> because tom brady comes back and buys the team buys part of the team buys part of the team declares himself, himself and it's the same guy he used to back up years ago yes yes oh god jimmy You're g's back. finally getting the chance daddy's home <laughs> that would be so beautiful. I hope it. I'm not I hope rooting for that to happen. It's yeah, just too good. I hope of an that era. happens now. Yeah. Oh, all right. All next right. slide. What do we got? Yeah. What do we got? Average ADP of top five players by team. So the Jets are getting a little cheaper. And then there's another slide with the rest of the teams. Okay. So this is the top half. So the, the Jets. I guess. I guess the weird. So the weird thing about the Jets is. Because they cucked themselves by just doing whatever Aaron Rodgers wanted, no one actually wants to draft any of their other players other than Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall. So it's like, you're like, oh, great. I got the double stack with Alan Lazard, you know, and Conklin's free. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's the, the, the Conklin's Jets. a good pick, I think. Conklin, I mean, he's probably a fine pick. Although, you know, I mean, if he is not willing to go on like uh, a wild mushroom hunt with Aaron Rodgers in 
uh, you know, upstate New York. Then, you know what I mean? Conklin seems like the kind of guy that would be. I mean, we, he's, like, we he's did, got the long we, hair, we he's got this, the tats. Like, he's got a man bun and a beard. I, I said this last week. I mean, he's okay. he's pretty strong odds to be down. He's down yeah. for whatever. <laughs> Whatever which, Rogers which, is honestly, I wonder. <laughs> this is how we pick our receivers for Aaron Rodgers. How? What are his odds to be down to do? You know, I, I was to think, I was trying to think about like what is what have Mercedes Lewis and Aaron Rodgers talked about over the years? Like, what is their common experience? And I realized they're both fucking old. Like everyone talks about how old Mercedes Lewis is, not realizing that Aaron Rodgers is also thirty nine years old. Yes. they're both they're both just old guys. So that's why that's why Mercedes Lewis uh, gets to stay in the inner circle. There's not a single image that I can find of Tyler Conklin that makes me think he wouldn't have a good time with Aaron Rodgers. Oh yeah, not not one has come up in one of his official Jets pictures. He's got his man bun done up on the top of his head. I mean, this, this guy. I mean, he I, knows I how to, he knows how to party. He yeah. knows. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's also watched some YouTube videos in his life. I, I'm willing to make that bet. <laughs> okay. All right. So Conklin is a good pick. What about I the so. uh so this is the cheaper teams. We got uh the 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 commanders and rams are getting a little bit more expensive. The Cardinals continue to fall a little bit. That's the that's the Van Jefferson fallout from the ETR stuff, I bet. What's talk talk me into why I should care about Van Jefferson. You shouldn't because I can't talk well you is- into that, Ben, but I, I I'll try to talk the people into it, which is that he has really no chance of like not running routes because that you've got cup and then nobody. This nobody. is this is Puka Ben Skoranek is going to run routes. Is, I'm taking Ben Skoranek over Van right Jefferson there. ten out of ten times. I would not. No, I would, no, I think you guys are prudent. both wrong. You guys are both wrong. It's fucking Tutu Atwell. It just is. So, okay, Tutu Atwell can have a, a role certainly, and I've taken a lot of Tutu Atwell because he's completely free, and I think he's probably pretty good but he's like 155 pounds as we sit here today he'll gain probably 10 pounds in august hey dude look he's like 24 25 now it becomes a little bit easier to put on the weight as you age so what, what that's he true might, he, he might be up he might be up to like 170 now uh i hope that was, he's he's added like quick. you added 10 percent to his body mass i mean if he's 170 pounds he could have went in the first round of the 2023 nfl draft yeah, so but he's a slot, right? He's a pure slot, and you got Cup there. Like it's just tough for him. It's tough for him to get that many routes. Van Jefferson's an he can play outside, he can play inside, and they need bodies. And look, he, they drafted him in the second round, and they played him consistently the entire time he's been there. I don't think he's getting benched. They need bodies has never gone bad at, at wide receiver. It's not a position where talent matters or anything. Well, what's the price, you know? And and he's going in like the fifteenth round or whatever. So at that at that price, I actually think drafting in May. This guy's definitely going to have a role and plays wide receivers pretty decent. But why would Ben Skoranek be worse? Because he well, they've never worse. really played him Skoranek, in a starting role. Skoranek has only ever played out of sheer desperation. Is that true? Yes. <laughs> yes. That, Can we like, fact check that? Yes, fact check that. He's only ever played like they were, like, dude. They were running out like Allen Robinson's corpse who couldn't generate separation from like Andy Reed over Ben Skoranek, but they were playing Van Jefferson. Yeah. Maybe and, Ben Skoranek does suck. Yeah. Van Jefferson was playing uh, when they had Odell Beckham. They, that was the yes. three wide receiver set. You know, he was playing all of last year. He's just going to be a part of the three wide receiver set. I mean, again, they spent a second round pick on him and he's never been horrible. He's not good, but he's never been like, Oh my God, get this guy off the field. Right. 
correct. I just uh, looked up Skoranek and like my different little lookup things, and yeah, I mean, he kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, he's not good. He's he's, he's not... like a he's like a total non-prospect. Yeah, how do you like? I mean, was vaguely interesting, but no, he's not good. I would say Van Jefferson uh, career yards per out run of one point three one. Uh, he peaked as a rookie at one point four six. He's declined every year since. He does strike me as like one of those guys where great pick when he was like basically free as he moves up here and every every round more expensive he gets it's worse he it's worse because like his odds of like hitting those spike weeks at the end of the year aren't great and if you need him for the course the entire season like if he gets into like the 13th round range then I, i don't love the bet but we are at risk of hitting uh dead roster spots at this time of the year and sure. you know as a later round pick i think he is at least going to get run i will say on <clears throat> on his efficiency this is one of the the numbers i hit on just just for the people that i'm not just being a hater there is a little bit of a reason he had three catches i think it was last year or at least two of 65 plus yards um there's only five guys in the nfl that did that he can hit on those and that would be great but those are i think the only games last season where he broke 65 yards in, in odell nothing else in odell's first game he scored like a 70 yard touchdown i remember yeah he had a couple long td so maybe you hit on those with matthew stafford again but i don't i mean i do think when you talk about even like you said one four one what yards per hour run first career or one three something one which three great. one point three one which isn't great, and also that includes him being one of in one of his three seasons, and he hasn't run a ton of routes over his full career because he was hurt last year, didn't play a ton as a rookie. You're talking about being one of only five receivers in the NFL that did that. The other guys were Jamar Chase, Debo Samuel, like elite players, and Deontay Hardy was on that, that list last Wait, year. Wait, no, I'm talking about Van Jefferson has career yards per hour run of 1.31. Yeah, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So his yards per hour run would be inflated by the fact that he had just an abnormal number uh-huh. of extremely long – plays which i understand you can't just pull those out of samples this and the other thing the fact that he's capable of doing that still matters and yet it's still not a good number even though he has an abnormal number of these extremely long plays everything else sucks in his profile right and i I do like two 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 uh had 1.67 yards per out run last year it's like functionally his rookie year because he got red shirted um he's he's like a very interesting prospect if you just ignored his weight which obviously you shouldn't do because uh, 155 pounds. It, that's one of the reasons you might get redshirted as a as a rookie. But yeah, I mean, I don't I don't dislike Tutu. If Van keeps steaming up, then I think Tutu becomes. I'm really just I'm just memeing round. I'm just memeing this Atwell thing because I'm pretty sure I can win because like he'll have at least one flashy play. Yeah, yeah, he is like is like he's gonna and I'm gonna be like, bro. I told people to take him in round 18. Hang on. Free. Hang on. You're playing. When you say win, you just mean a Twitter victory lap. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. This is not about this. is That's what it's all about. I told you well, literally. You're, well, not you're, every, not everyone is as public as we are. So so if you're drafting. Maybe, are you concerned about the rumors that Tutu might literally blow away? That is, uh, I hadn't thought about it, but now I'm going to have to reconsider this strategy. Yeah. Davis, uh, that, that is some pretty big downside for you on Twitter. If Tutu, if Tutu, if, if Tutu Atwell, Tutu Atwell is running to the end zone with a 70 yard bomb from Matt Stafford. And he literally gets blown out of bounds by a big gust of New York wind. And he's out on the three yard line and it turns into a Cam Akers three yard rumble. I will say. I think you would. I think you would go with the bit, though, Davis. So actually, 
I, I'm, I'm not rooting for that outcome because I think you would you would have fun with that. I'd find a way. I do oh. feel like this is a team that they always bring in vets and this and that. And at some point this offseason, they're going to talk themselves into still being competitors and bring somebody in who was, you know, cut or can be had. I know they don't have any like resources whatsoever, but whoever can be had for a fifth rounder, which is something that happens late in the offseason, right? It happens in August, or they pick up a, a, a surprise release off waivers and then they just start running him out there immediately. Like they did this with Odell, they brought it in the corpse yeah, yeah. of Alan Robinson, played him. I don't think these guys have to run routes, actually. I think they could bring in – I don't know who exactly those names would be, but – It won't be I'm Hopkins because sure that's in our division. Yeah. I don't think they would trade for – because I think Hopkins and Adams would require resources that they don't really have. And I don't. I think they're kind of resetting on the big trades for pieces. Uh, and they, like, let Ramsey go, and they're, they're kind of resetting on some of the um, you know stuff where they've been buying a lot of stuff to, to make the run that they did last uh, – 2021 – but I mean, somebody cheap, somebody who's a you know a cut. My counterpoint, has... my counterpoint to them reloading the cabinet is that they spent a fourth round pick on Stenson Bennett, which is the most unserious draft pick <laughs> I've ever seen well, an organization make. The 49ers just drafted a kicker in the third round. <laughs> I... <laughs> Immediately a more unserious pick. The 49ers are. Kyle Shanahan is the least serious head coach in the NFL. Can we all agree on that? Like Kyle He's Shanahan, so good at coordinating. Like his plays are so cool. Why does he? I know, but he is. That's because he, he thinks is, like a child, right? Like, so, like I mean, I think it fits Davis's point that he's unserious. Maybe he's he, just creative. He he's got that. He, you know. he is so. It's like he he looks like a guy who would be fucking like going into a vape shop at like 11 a.m. on a Sunday, being like, dude, I fucking ran out last night. Like I, dude. I gotta, I can't, I gotta get another cartridge, bro. That is what Kyle Shanahan is to me. Just always galbrating, always just massive mind. Are, do we have evidence that his, uh, that his plays are not drawn in crayon? Do we know that for sure? <laughs> Which he is funny because I'm like thinking, corner. I'm thinking about his dad, and I'm like, his dad was a very serious man. Like I do not think of his father as being an unserious head coach at all. No, I guess if you just grow up a rich kid, though, your chances of becoming unserious like raise exponentially. Yeah, I no, guess yeah, that's really did. the bit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Patriots being the cheapest offense, it it's just we've gone over this on I think every iteration of this show, but it is it is the thing that I'm most certain is bound to be wrong. The Patriots will score points. The Patriots will have multiple players who finish as fantasy starters at their position. Mac Jones will probably be more like the quarterback 18 than the quarterback 37 or what the fuck ever he's being drafted as right now. They have a real offensive coordinator. That's really it. It's just last yeah. year they did not have a plan. Yeah. Bill Belichick tried to raw dog it like it was 1937 again when they did actually do this. One of Brady's years, they didn't have an offensive coordinator. Belichick I want to tried to rock like it was 1937 again. Is I need that clip somewhere. He did. It was like it was like I want to say it's like 2005 or 2006. They tried to do this without an offensive coordinator, and it worked out fine because it was fucking Tom Brady. Um, Mac Jones, not Tom Brady, doesn't work. You got to have an offensive coordinator. Feels feels like they'll figure it out. Like what is the take. risk that Jones gets benched? Because that's the one thing where I think. The ADP, I think, probably overly prices that in. I think Jones is is definitely underpriced, but it doesn't make him like a smash because there's some risk that he gets benched for Bailey Zappi, right? Um, I mean, yeah, like I so I kind of started out the offseason thinking that way, 
but we have not gotten one Bailey mm-hmm. Zappy puff piece out of New England. Not one. <clears throat> not not a you know he's in there every day in the facility. He was throwing with Kayshawn Booty like nothing. No, nada. He was floating. They call it when he does it. He's floating to Kayshawn Booty. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so I think I think the uh, the Zappy era, you know. The Patriots got zapped for like three games, and then that was it. That you fucking got, Monday. That I just Monday figured out the Galbrain uh, Van Jefferson cuck. You ready for this? Kenny Galladay. Matthew <laughs> Stafford on. connection. Ben, ben, Matthew actually, Stafford no, connection. No, he did. Right. Signs he for cheap. Over. Already got his mega deal. Comes in, signs for cheap, plays on the outside as the vertical threat. Okay. Van 100%. Jefferson. This, this is podcast happening. is for entertainment only. This is not financial <laughs> advice. <laughs> I literally need to do all the caveats now. Kenny Galladay? He's only yeah. 29, No, I think, man. I think if if, uh, if that is available for me to bet on at a sports book, I will bet on that. That's happening. Thank you. Davis has got the, the Rams. The Rams me. love guys who were good most recently, three years ago. Yes. Obviously, Stafford and Galladay played together in Detroit. Yes. I mean, it's it, it's actually perfect. But yeah. is it is it not, is it a reason Slam to fade? The reason that <laughs> the guy is done, the guy can't move. Alan oh, Robinson, that doesn't stop. Alan that stop that before? Yeah. yeah, he was beat. He was beaten out by Marcus Johnson last year. They played they Tyler Higby all last year. You're the guy who said, "I don't care that he sucks. They're gonna play him. They don't he's care, not, guys. Can't he's move. not gonna get beaten out by anyone with a with a human body." That is, it's, it's a higher bar than that. I mean, we just God. talked about how bad it is for the Rams. Like, anyone who was good at any point. He was a pro bowler once. That's enough, I think, for the Rams. Yeah. I once the, traded, Terrell Owens is going to be the next signing. Yeah. I, I, I once traded away Kenny Galladay in a dynasty league for two first-round picks. Wow. Oof. Davis Please. and I both going from tanking to contending in the same year after a three-year tank for both of us. Uh, Dynasty, I still, I still have, fun. I still have first though, so I, I got, I got room to detank or go back to the tank. I, I can, I can, I can maneuver a little bit. I have first left. Yeah, I did not, I, I did not uh, spend my ammo on a guy who I think is like 50-50 to be benched at some point in the next two years. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going Justin Fields. Come on, baby. <laughs> Crane, Crane is looking at 28% of dropbacks, not ending in a pass attempt and being like, he's got nowhere to go but up, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do we got here? We got uh, oh, positions so this is, that are getting cheaper. Look at QB1 getting a lot cheaper. QB2 and, two, and 3 and QB2. also getting cheaper. Yeah, which we did say was coming forever, yeah. right? Yeah. But then... I mean, is the wide receiver market adjusting a little bit on, uh, like, like? Actually, this is what we said. This is what I said. No, they're our, moving our... up. The wide receivers are getting even more expensive. Am I? Oh, I'm reading these lines. The Black right. lines. I just current. read them. I just read them backwards. Okay, so. And the, well, so the running backs shows, are shows like what's happening weekly. So running backs are are getting cheaper, and people are just drafting more wide. Oh, they so. Get... It's weekly change on the bottom. The lines are 2022 ADP versus current. So running backs are are cheaper this year to last year, but they have gotten a little bit more expensive as QBs have gotten cheaper in the last little bit. Right, right. That makes sense. But it is tough. The wide receiver thing, like, I'm now drafting on DraftKings a little bit more. And it's interesting, like, the wide receivers are cheaper there. It's a little bit more traditional. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll draft 
a little bit more running backs over on DraftKings. Uh, like I, I, not that I won't go zero running back there because you can build some really nice zero running back teams. But sometimes I'll, I'll make sure to get a running back early because I know I'm going to get like sixth, seventh round JSN as opposed to in the fifth. You know, like I know I'm going to get these guys later so I can take my running backs early. Underdog is, is so tough because if you don't get your wide receivers early enough, you're there just, are no backdoor options. You're, you're fucked. fucked. Yeah. Yeah. You're, just like, you're like, I really hope I'm getting some spike weeks out of John Mechie and McCole Hardman <laughs> because right. it gets so bad. Taking a little yeah. bit of Hardman. I've taken a little bit of Hardman. <laughs> I think Hardman that could work. I haven't taken what Hardman. Is, I'm I'm not what, so he's a part time player and he's how do we know? How do we he's, how do he's we, the we same bet as Van Jefferson? No, he's not because he's on a new team. He's yeah, never no, been he's a full time receiver, not. and he's not in Aaron Rodgers' good graces potentially. Like, okay, but know. counterpoint, we're not confident that he's oh maybe we do know he sucks. Now nah, he was flashing a little bit last yeah. year, honestly. <laughs> he, to me, to me, this is the simple thesis. I mean, one, it's like a, t- a team with Aaron Rodgers on it, and I'm I'm you're not gonna degrade me and make me take Alan Lazard. But Hardman could be an efficiency play. He theoretically yeah, he could, could be, be an efficiency play. That's why I think of the Van Jefferson thing. I think you're playing for spike weeks, like literally, like the, uh, the definition of spike weeks, big plays, right? Efficiency. Yeah, I don't spike. think Hardman's a bad pick, but I've, I just get nervous when I'm because he he pops in some of the in some of the stuff that I look at, like his efficiency. I mean, he is he's been quite efficient when on the field. So he just doesn't I, get on the field that much. He just doesn't get on the field, and then it's like, okay, they they're not they may not cut Corey Davis. And Corey Davis is just going to be a route stealer, you know? Like, I, I don't want to draft yeah. Corey Davis, but if Corey Davis is there, Alan Zard is there, Garrett Wilson's there, you know? Randall um, Cobb. Randall Cobb's there. Like, is McCool Hardman's kind of just like, five? he kind of reminds me of 24-year-old Randall Cobb, actually. Wait, someone here has to go. I mean, Corey Davis might go. Denzel Mims might go. These, these are your starting Rams receivers right here, other than Kenny yeah. Galladay. Kind of interest you in Denzel I was Mims. I was thinking the same thing with Corey Davis. I was like, he was a, he was the number five pick. He could easily be a Ram. He could be a Ram for sure. That's actually, yeah. Why isn't Corey go. Davis a chief? Actually, honestly, while we're here, like that kind of fits their thing too. Yeah, they like to bring in, they like to bring in guys who used to be good. Corey Coleman is technically a Chiefs practice squad player, despite the fact that he's in the USFL right now. When was uh, Corey Coleman good? I I forget. Oh, he was awesome at Baylor. <laughs> he's never had before being drafted yeah i saw drafted, i saw, so I, saw Corey, I saw Corey coleman put up like 180 yards and two touchdowns on Dude, i think i took person. him second overall in a rookie draft all right so Corey davis's birthday is in january guesses on how old he is 28 nine he is 28 years old wow doesn't yeah. that feel wildly young yeah yeah i mean i've been angry about Corey davis for, for a four-year college years. player that's great yeah he so. should he should land somewhere good. Yeah, I think he could he could be like a a solid. I mean, yeah, I would take him over Van Jefferson if he were on the Rams. Yeah, he, he's going to be on the Rams. Him and Galladay, their their whole <laughs> receiver room is going to be just stacked. <laughs> for anyone joining the program, this is for entertainment purposes only. <laughs> so what we're saying is, we do you do the Daniel Jones, Jalen Hyatt, Matt Stafford, Corey Davis backdoor. Yeah. Okay, what is the what is the actionable what is the actionable thing to do right now if 
in terms, Karen, in terms of exposures, if we agree that there, the market has gotten significantly better at predicting who's actually going to score points and that there's this huge drop off right after, let's say, pick just theoretically pick 110. Are you honing in on the guys you really like more if the market is better at adequately projecting points? Or are you taking a more blended approach where you're just kind of letting draft slot and random fallers in your draft dictate your strategy? At what point in the drafts? I mean, I think either. Like, I think I think uh, you could you can hit that both ways. Where like, if the best players are all so if all the top point scorers in the top 100, is it better to hone in on the same guys or vary those up and and then post pick 100? G- g- give me your thoughts both ways. So I guess early on, I like there's a few guys that I think are like really badly priced, and I'm okay fading those guys pretty hard. Because I don't feel confident that I can get that I can like make up for bad picks later. You know what I mean? Like if if all if the top 100 is mostly right, then I want to be I don't want to like go all in necessarily take huge stands within that group. But I do in terms of huge stands in terms of the guys I'm targeting. But I have taken some big stands in guys on guys that I'm fading. Odo Beckham would be an example of this. Where like I'm yeah, just not zero, taking. I have zero Odo Beckham. Yeah. It's just like, I don't think I can like make up for that. Kadarius Tony's been a tough click for me because I'm like, if it goes wrong, it could go like really wrong. That one's tougher because he does have a ceiling. So I think that's like more, a little more personal preference. But there's, and then the other thing I'm doing is I, there are certain like pockets of the draft where I really don't want to like need a running back. I really don't want to feel like I need to take Miles Sanders or something. So I'm like working through the draft in terms of my construction. So that I'm like aligning with the pockets of the draft, and that's putting me more on certain players than other players, because I'm like taking more wide receivers, like in rounds five and six, you know, and then I'm taking more of the running backs in like rounds, you know, six, seven, eight, or whatever. Um, so those round five running backs, I don't have a ton of at all. But once you get to the later picks, I think there I am kind of willing to take more stands on the guys that I'm super bullish on, because I'm like, there's guys here that are you know, potentially the, the reasons that I can make up for a missed pick later. Like, and I think there are, there's certain guys that I just feel like are great picks right now. You know, like I, I really like Marvin Mims today's ADP. I like, I like Chuba Hubbard a lot. I like Jalen Warren a lot. You know, there's certain running backs from like clear number two and very low chances that they are, that they bring someone in to compete. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm probably taking like bigger stands at the end of the draft in terms of targets and bigger stands in terms of fades early. Well, the payoff is way bigger if you get the end of the draft, right? You know, like Chuba Hubbard scores eight touchdowns this year or something, like massive payoff, you know? Right. Or if Brock Purdy's the quarterback 11 and, you know, with just whatever. Purdy, but Purdy might be a pretty good pick. I, I probably need to mix him in more. Purdy is, or he is a really good pick. Um, but. We're back to the, the Bernie Lance. Yeah, I mean, he comes up multiple times in episode. Yeah, it, it is what it is. I thought uh, we hit it for this week, but I, I, I'm, I'm a newbie. Okay. So, wait, what are you every, doing? So, wait, say that again. What are you oh, doing? I mean, I mean, I am stone fading a lot of guys in the top 100. Just like no interest in clicking them. Uh, and but I am taking. I'm trying to take a more variant approach rounds 11 
through 15. Because looking back, some of the big leaks I've made in my years playing fantasy football is when the market goes against me, just very stubbornly sticking to it and just fucking taking uh, 47% Antonio Gibson when it becomes clear that <laughs> Antonio Gibson has no chance of being the guy that you need. Um, so, like, for example, the Cook, Charbonnet, Brian Robinson, P. Ryan, Achain, Penny, Harris, Gibson route, I'll take some of all those guys. The only one I'm stone have zero of is Cleo Herbert because I think he's maybe the running back three on the Bears, honestly. Um, and then, dude, you haven't been drafting that much, Gretch. I just let's sit, let's throw this at Gretch. Let's throw Gretch a live bullet and see right. and see what he would do. Okay, well, this is a thought exercise. You're 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 live. You did an elite quarterback and an elite tight end draft, okay. right? So you need some wide receiver help. You you're getting buried by the wide receiver avalanche. It is the ninth round. These are the wide receivers you have available. These are the services you can procure. <laughs> Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham. Alan Lazard. Tyler Boyd. Jacoby Myers. Darnell Mooney. Sky Moore. Or Zay Jones. <laughs> Who's the next next rookie at ADP? That's next. Next. <laughs> a, guy, a guy I'm not taking. Jonathan Mingo. Oh wow! So like Quentin Johnson and those guys are already off the board. I'm taking, I'm dude. You know who I'm taking in there in that range? Jacoby I'm Myers. I'm, I'm probably taking Sky Moore. Wow! No, no. no you you take Rice no. over Moore, I think. Yeah, I'm I'm Rice over Moore. Uh, uh, is Rice cheaper? Yeah. Rice is Rice is pick one twenty eight. Sky's pick one twenty. Just off the names you listed, I didn't want any of those names. I can at least tell myself Sky Moore has year two upside. I really I like. The thing that got me on, back on more a little bit this offseason was – I can't remember who, who wrote about it, but, like, basically in Andy Reid's whole career, he's never had a rookie do anything at receiver. Like, they've always kind of redshirted. Yeah, I mean, a lot of confidence when they you know, drafted – Yeah, they drafted, they drafted Rice, and then they signed – So he might be the redshirt, and Moore might be the guy that's been there for a year now and be ready in year two. Hardman, of, Hardman played 70% of the snaps in his first career game. I don't, yeah, I don't buy well, it. Tyreek was hurt, right? He got he got hurt. Yeah, I I was uh, having this argument. I was having this argument with Amico the other day. I mean, any any Skymore, if Skymore does end up doing something or whatever, it'll it like it's all hopium. There's nothing you could point to in his sample in the NFL and be like it's going to be fine. Oh no, I mean, what is college profile? You can say he like, was a pretty good prospect yeah. when he was drafted in the second round. So wasn't he wasn't he an overage prospect though? I think overage for a three year maybe, but he was he was a early declare, true early declare. Uh, he's you, you know, he's, he turns 23 in September. He's so right. he wasn't, yeah. All right, all right. I will, I will open the crypt for Sky Moore. I will break the door. I'm not gonna unbury him, but I will open the door to the mausoleum nice. so that I can pull him out of the drawer if needed. You're you're, you're burying him with the tube where he can breathe. So, if he, no, he, no, no, he's got the no, bell. He's got the no, bell. Too much life, too much life. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he's still grasping for air. He's still he's grasping six feet for under. <laughs> I think. I think. I think there is a non-zero chance the Kansas City Chiefs line up against the Detroit Lions in Week One of the 2023 NFL season, and Richie fucking James comes and checks in before Sky Moore. 
Well, I know that because I just saw you trade for Richie James in a dynasty yeah. league. <laughs> that was actually that was actually the uh, the centerpiece of the Cooper Cup trade. Was I mean, I'm kind of in on Richie James. James is a really late option. Why not? The juju roll is open. If Sky Moore's not it, then it's Richie James, right? Somebody's got to catch passes. Could be Rice. Rice. Rice is kind of uh, flexible. Yeah. He can play. He can be the answer to all these things. True. True. Uh, and Sky Moore, I think, is okay where he's going because he's not. He's not going. I mean, you're you're. Uh, this is a real avalanche draft where you have to take these guys in the ninth round. You know, their ADPs are more round, like 125. Sure, whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the point the point is that at a range in the draft where you used to feel comfortable taking rookie wide receivers that you like, like three years ago, you could have taken Jordan Addison at pick one twenty four. You know, that's true. That's gone. It's all over. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and maybe we'll get that because Justin Jefferson went in like the 9-10 round range um, because he wasn't going to start right away because KJ Osborne or whoever it wasn't KJ Osborne, someone else was running ahead of him, right? Some some dust ball. Um, and obviously that not, was not that was KJ tilly. Osborne. Um, shit, was okay, it? I gotta go. Was it the it guy was, who was on the Commanders or whatever the who was uh, it? on Washington? Aldrick Robinson? Was it Aldrick Robinson? No, no. Okay, so I, I was facing go. out. Who are, you, who are you guys trying to figure out? Who was who, who was ahead of Justin Jefferson and then his ADP fell to the 910? As a rookie. KJ Osborne? Was I don't think so. No. Ola BC Johnson from Colorado. That's BC Johnson. That's what, That's what it was. Yeah. BC. So I That's do think so it, as a first round pick. Addison probably need something like, oh, he's, he's going to start out of the slot. He's not in two wide receiver sets because Osborne. I think he'd probably need that to fall to the 9-10 even like two or three years ago. But he wouldn't be going. He's going like 6-7 now um, and is a number two wide receiver on his own team like for sure. So, yeah, it's a different ADP environment. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the I receiver. Really I just pulled up ADP to look at the receivers after that. Someone in the chat said I, I would take Rice or Dobbs, and those guys go not long after that range you talked about, Davis. And I would be interested in those guys a little later. Nico goes not long after. Patrick I like. I like Park. all. I like, the, like literally. I just think that but, range uh, in the draft should be nuked because I like like about twenty wide receivers better than those guys. I was just gonna say though. I, I'm with your point broadly. Yeah. No. I mean, like, I, I also like that point too. Like, Marvin Mims is going way later. I'm looking further and further down, and I'm like, I mean, why wouldn't Marvin Mims go in that range? Like, he's a because like well, none of those guys. I, I think you're outside the wide receiver window. I think you've identified the spot where you're yes. you're no longer see, you don't have a lot of ceiling. You have to take shots on like maybe Marvin Mims is generational. Not yeah. Generational, to me, but <clears throat> there's a little bit of a difference uh, where you get like I've actually taken Jamison Williams. Kind of in that range. He he's so tricky for me. He is tough, but like if you take him as you know a wide receiver five, then you know it's like I can get him, I can pull him along, um, and he at least has ceiling. He at least has a weekly ceiling. I don't love taking him, but I've mixed him in a couple times. I felt like a, a little bit behind, and I'm like, well, I'm gonna have to draft you know the Van Jeffersons of the world, the the Nico Collins, Alec Pierce. You can get a little later, like guys who are gonna be out there and just to like try to get me through a little bit hunter renfro you know just like help get me through the early part of the season and then at least i have some ceiling down the back half with jameson but it's it's tough that that part of the draft is was really really tough round pick 100 yeah where yeah, i mean not... where are you at where are you at like conceptually with a guy like that who is fucking suspended for six games with the more money in the regular season 
Yeah, I think that is uh, kind of interesting. I, um, I wish he was cheaper because I don't want to have zero of him because he could so totally be the guy you need in Week 17, like honestly. But I just don't like taking a guy who's locked into six weeks of zeros. Yeah, that's tough. I was yeah, going to say right right after this range, I, I do think Jameson's probably before this wide receiver window concept, but right after this range, I was looking at the other ADPs is like, I feel like it's 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 got to be the strike zone for running back in most builds. You oh, it, be there. it is. Yeah. yeah, it very much is. I want Rashad Penny at a 114 ADP compared to all those receivers. That question you asked me, Davis, like I want Rashad Penny over Sky Moore, over all those guys. I want Samaje Pirine at 109. Um, like I'm, I'm in on both those vets where they landed as like, you know, ambiguous backfields. And this is the reason I have a hard time with going to running backs a lot early. It is something I'm doing like a lot more than I ever have, you know, wide receiver, running back, running back. I've done that already probably more times in my entire life this year. I've like already doubled up my, my exposure to that start because it is kind of unique, I think, or at least, you know, very atypical for you to be able to get two really strong running back bets in rounds two and then three. Um, but I also like trying to get an early quarterback and I like trying to get an early round tight end, especially with the prices falling after last year significantly. You can get Kyle Pitts and Dallas Goddard in the sixth round. I think both those are really strong yeah. values. You can get um, Mark Andrews in the third, you know, like sometimes the late third, like he's, I think an awesome pick there. So there's like the Kittle's still going in the fifth after being like the guy you needed in last year's playoffs and potentially having Purdy all season. I mean, Kittle could absolutely fucking smash a fifth round ADP. So, all right, I've got two running backs. I've got a quarterback and I've got an elite tight end. I'm, I'm already kind of dead at wide receiver. I'm right. like already like dead. dead. So you got to figure out what to, to sacrifice from that other group you just listed. And I think it's one of the running backs. Yeah. And then you, because what happens is then you can still get four wide receivers through seven, which Hayden Winks is called his golden rule. And I think is is more important maybe than ever to do that, yeah. given that how bad the drop off is. And then you can still get that you know an, a wide receiver five type you know before things get too crazy. Like you can grab a Sutton or a Michael Thomas or a Bateman right as your wide receiver five before the dra- the cliff really hits. And then you're perfectly set up for that next pocket of the draft. Ryan, Penny, Damian Harris. We talked about Antonio Gibson. We talked about go right after that. There's a lot of Attractive Charbonnet, I really like. Dylan, yeah. I think, is pretty interesting. Like, sure, you know, he, he's like fairly. He's definitely got some talent and could help you out right away. Huge contingent value. Damian Harris. I mean, with a different QB, I, there I take some of. But the thesis on Dylan last year was they might do more of both the backs out there. Aaron Jones is a year older, different quarterback. They might actually do more of that this year, and like it's a little post hype from that theory. But the idea that Dylan could have some twenty-five carry games as this big physical back probably more practical with Jordan Love at quarterback. And they're just like, hey, this is all we can get going in this week, and we're going to just keep giving the ball to Dylan. Aaron Jones just took a pay cut uh, to stay with the team. Probably his last year there, I would assume. I, I need to pull up his contract before saying that. but Yeah, I mean, he's super good, but they also use him as a receiver and stuff. There's a reason both those guys were going even higher are people, last year. Are people out on A.J. Dillon just because he like had a dip in performance last year, but like he still might be the quad father? Right. That's exactly – the, the debate right now. I mean, at 105 ADP, I think the argument is they're out. Yeah. And then the, what you just said is is why to be in. Like he might still this be is, the quad This is why structure works, right? Because if AJ Dillon moves up into the range where you're having to sacrifice one of the last viable wide receivers, then I'm out. 
But yeah. is he's if he's in a range where wide receivers happen to completely crater, right? I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like what am I? What's the opportunity cost? And right now, Dylan's kind of past the point where there really is that much opportunity cost. It's kind of like maybe I'm trying to make sure I don't get locked out at, at quarterback with a two quarterback build. Um, but otherwise, like I've probably either taken a tight end or I'm waiting a tight end. Like I don't mind the tight ends in that range, but. There's just I want to just be sitting here in this pocket and be able to fire a couple running back picks in most drafts. It's yeah. it's a pretty pretty nice pocket for running back value. The only thing I would say I agree with all of that. I was just about to say it's the most important pocket of every draft. But then I would say that I that's how I draft have drafted over the last couple of years is sort of trying to identify that wide receiver window and making that very important and being probably too concentrated because I think that's what led to me not having like basically any Josh Jacobs last year, for example. So there are some running backs that get a little bit too pricey into that last area of the receivers that we do still want to get some exposure to. But yeah, I mean, once the receivers dry up, I think running back is the superior pick. That's the, the well, real key. This is one of the reasons why I think, you know, and Sam, it's a good thing Sam's not here to hear me say this, but I think this is one <laughs> of the reasons that, that zero running back still completely viable in this ADP environment even though you're, you know, you're, you are looking at really nice and atypical values and potentially values that won't be around later in the, in the off season on like a Tony Pollard and a Ramondre Stevenson and a Josh Jacobs and a Nick Chubb and a Derrick Henry, right? All these guys right around that kind of two, three turn area, but you can skip those guys. And one of the reasons I think you can, is that you can go get like a Damian Pierce, right? You can go get some of these guys that are going to probably move up in value. Joe Mixon, Right, Mixon's either going to be way more expensive or way cheaper, but yeah. you know if you want to make that bet, you can go get those guys as your RB one. And I that that one of the less that is one of the lessons to me of last year with Josh. Jacobs I think Acres where, could be an RB one. We talked about Madison having some paths. I mean, even like going back to the James Connor, well as like the the start of a zero RB build. That's the area James where there's Connor's still some to- yeah. There's still some wide receiver targets in those areas, but those are guys that you can see as being very viable running back picks as well. Like if you're going to have a this year's Josh Jacobs, I, I don't know who it would possibly be. Obviously that's hard to figure out. And that guy doesn't always emerge, but I mean, maybe it's, you know, an acres could have that possibility if he can get back to the way he played a couple years ago. And I feel like late last year, when he got to about the 18 month post Achilles, he started to look like that player again, which are, it's supposed to be like an 18 month recovery process. I didn't expect him to be good early in the year. I was fading him in drafts. What I saw in December, I was actually intrigued by and I'm a little intrigued by acres for this year for that reason. Yeah, and I think if we're expecting running back ADPs to move up, we're going to expect them to move up throughout the draft. And so this pocket where you can sit back and get some of these like like legitimate week one starters at a range of the draft where like the opportunity cost is has gone down at wide receiver. I mean, I think there's a bit of a drop off around that round five range. So if you're you know. Potentially. And there's there's more weird shit and ambiguity because there are multiple backfields that could be impacted by a suspension or Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette, or Kareem Hunt being signed there too. Like there's 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 a lot of room. I mean, you could you could tell me right now that you have the knowledge of foresight and that Kareem Hunt signed somewhere and had 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns, and I'd be like, I don't know, yeah, probably. Like it could totally happen. I think he needs a backfield that gets hollowed out by injuries. Yeah, but that's going to happen. I mean, the one one thing I can say with certainty is that I don't know which team it's going to be, but there are going to be multiple yeah. backfields impacted by sure. preseason injuries. Yeah, I mean, remember the Ravens a few years ago where Dobbins went down, Gus Edwards went down, 
and and, uh, and the third I was counting guy. Justice Hill, but Justice he went down Hill too. Went down. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Tyson Williams was the week one. Tyson, waiver. Oh my God, yeah. Tyson Williams. Yeah, and it, he wasn't even the answer. They no. had, yeah. Who was well, the answer? He was. Devonta he was Freeman fucking, was the answer? He, he killed it for the first half. He had like yeah, 60 yards Freeman, and a man. touchdown. And then he blew a pass block in the like the first drive of the second half against the Raiders. Got Lamar absolutely smoked. And we never saw him again. We never saw him again. Was Latavius ended up there too. a little bit, I think. Latavius, Latavius yep. and Donta Foreman. Yeah. yeah Devonta Foreman. Yeah. It was yeah. Freeman uh, and Murray. Freeman. Yeah. 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 All right. Should we, should we land the plane here? What? Yeah. Uh, Gretch, we didn't tell you this. I don't know if you're aware, but we each pick a, an ADP riser. We'll pick an ADP okay. riser. Um, oh, to that's gonna be gonna be yeah, a new you, riser. You you pick uh, you someone pick that's a... going to rise in value from here. Sure, sure. Um, I can go for next week. Other. Just in the next no, week. no. By the end of the right, it's by, by the end, end of the end. off season, isn't it? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so we're trying to bank some closing line value. We're also trying to give people good picks, but the the yeah. game that we're playing. Uh, I I cheated a couple weeks ago. Value. You did what? I Sorry. I cheated a couple weeks ago. Jarek McKinnon like just got signed, and I used Jarek McKinnon as my CLB. I I'm gonna pick. I, I know who I want to do my pick. It was who I started the the show, kind of taking you guys on a 15 minute drive. But Madison has risen a ton, but Ty Chandler and Dwayne McBride st- are not moving up for the exact same reasons about Dalvin Cook's potential release, and I think they should also be moving up. Well, I, you I gotta pick one though. Because this is oh. this is why they're not moving up. No one knows. Who Ty, then I'll take I'll take Ty Chandler. I think because he's got a little bit more of a three down profile that I would I would take. And Silva especially hearing that Silva hasn't ranked RB forty four, it's already locked to move up at that point. Yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> he's moving up because Silva's got him way yeah. out of anything. But I'll yeah. cheat like Davis did last the other week. With <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, all right, go ahead. Dave. You can you can go. Or you want all me right. to go? Well, I, I have one. So okay, uh, you go. This, this one is not, uh, I don't think, all that sharp from like just trying to play the game because I'm not sure that he moves up. But Kyle Pitts, man, Kyle Pitts in the sixth round. This is this is, is you no. Know, I I do you want to like I I agree with you. I'm totally with you. But this is your this is not a good selection for the game. Yeah, it's I, bad I'm, for the game. You know what? You know what, Davis? I'm here trying to help the people win their <laughs> leagues. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to help them with CLV, not a take, not a player take. No, this is this is a this is a guy who you look want at, to be. Look at Chris is Chris has your rebuttal. How can you possibly pick Pitts when Chris is completely right? Kyle Pitts is trash. What, Chris Chris now? fucking Chris fucking zapped your ass, dude. <laughs> Kyle Pitts has been yeah, he did. Kyle Pitts, I'm gonna try to dig out. I'm I'm six feet under with the air hole now. I'm gonna try <laughs> to dig out. Uh Kyle Pitts, one of the best tight end prospects of all time. Had a thousand and twenty-six yards as a fucking rookie, two point zero two yards per route run, paid off a ridiculously high ADP. Then he, at this point, he's the cheapest he's ever been. He's coming off a year, yeah, it's not yeah. a great year. He still was fairly efficient on a per route basis, one point six nine yards per route run. He's at one point nine two now for his career. That's pretty good for a third-year player who, with a super high pedigree, who has tight end eligibility. And we're looking at a team. That was historically run heavy last year, particularly when Mariota was under center. We don't have to deal with that. They have a, a couple like very thin outs for quarterback play. I think they would be maybe a destination for Lance. They would be maybe Tannehill, although the I, Titans probably keep him. But I also just think like they might be not like so deranged with their play selection this year with Ritter compared to Mariota because we already saw that a little bit. 
And like, honest to God, you just need him to have a few spike weeks and he can pay off this ADP because the tight end position, generally, you just don't get that many spike weeks. Like you're competing well, we're against. We're agreeing with the take on the player. It's Is the market going to buy in? Yeah, I I, I, I don't I, know. I, but, I, but I think you want to be overweight Kyle Pitts. And I think taking this, even if he doesn't increase, like if he's a seventh round pick in August, okay, I will have 45% Kyle Pitts. Yeah. I'm fuck. I'm maybe good with not that. 45, but I'm in. I'm there. good I'm with 45 percent Kyle Pitts if he falls around in value. I, I will make that stand. I think this is the type of stand you want to make. Incredibly talented player has already flashed multiple times. Plays a position where there's very little upside. You know, outside of a few guys. And I guess when you when you have two million dollars burning a hole in your underdog account, you can make these types of stands. You can you can bet on regression. You can bet on regression, right? And there's some and there's of a us couple, suffered couple through 2022 with Kyle Pitts pretty pretty heavily, and it was not it was not so good for the bank account. But that was a that was a two three turn ADP. The sure. difference between that ADP and the sixth round is massive, and that there is already I think a tear break at wide receiver in this range. You're already like coming back. It's already dudes you're not feeling super good about in the sixth round. JSN's gone on underdogs. Nice. Let's move on because I haven't drafted yet. I'm going to be going to Oregon in a couple of weeks. Let's not blow up Kyle Pitts ADP yet. Can I get a few shares first? You like that there's no enthusiasm from you because you agree with me. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't have I'm any enthusiasm. Try to talk you off of this take. Nothing, nothing Keep this take say, under wraps. Nothing we say is going to – people have made their minds up about Kyle Pitts. They've made I their minds so. up. I hope and so. coming from us, like we're not going to be able to move Kyle Pitts up anymore. That we yeah. we're part of that horrible experience. We're we're part of the Kyle Pitts industrial right. complex for right. sure. Yeah. No one's going to um, listen to us on Sky, Sky War or any of that stuff. Like no way. Well, I hope they listen to me, and I hope they I hope they don't go into the light with Sky War. I hope that uh, I hope they I, I hope they go the right direction. Uh, I am gonna select Malik Davis, running back two. For the Dallas Cowboys, pretty sure I'm basically the same thing Ben just did. Yeah, you guys I are just, playing this game well. I'm just, I'm just uh, pounding the table. Well, but I'm actually taking Malik Davis. Like I'm actually drafting a shit ton of Malik Davis because I just, I've gamed it out. Really, the same thing we did with Rojo last year is we realized that he's not going to be active on like once the Pacheco stuff started happening. So Rojo's not going to be active on game days for special teams. So if he's the running back too, he's really got to be the running back too. God love Deuce Vaughn. God love the small running back favorite player in the nfl very cool story but he's not big enough to play special teams so again if he's going to make the team he's really got to make the team i actually think the most likely thing is that pollard vaughn and davis are the game day actives and rojo is the break glass in case of emergency same way he was in kansas city yeah all of which to say obviously this all gets submarined if ezekiel elliott resigns there you go But I think I think even so even if in the so Zeke resigns, I still think Zeke is the or I still think Malik Davis would be active as the third guy for special teams because he was all of last year. And uh, I mean Zeke sucks. Like I just, he's immaterial. I don't yes, care about yeah. him anymore. Malik Davis looks good. Like he looks like he has some juice when he's out there. Yeah, he's just that's, smaller that's, than I thought he was. He plays a little bit bigger, but to look him up this offseason and, and to find out that he's like two oh five, I was a little bit bummed. I thought he was a little bit of a bigger back. Like he's not gonna fill the Zeke role in any scenario at two hundred five. Two hundred five, though. Some of those yeah. weights are out of date. Yeah, maybe he, he, he looked weight. he looked bigger. Yeah, maybe he has put on weight. It's a good call. Yeah. All uh, right, guys. All right, let's yeah. get out of here. This is fun. This was fun. Little old uh, two hour ten minute edition. 
Yeah. Yeah, we got you out of here early, Gretch. (laughs) (laughs) I did not Uh, plan for this. This is my lunch time. Any anything to plug before we get out of here? Nope. Nope. All right. Sign up for projection stuff at Stealing Signals. I sent out a post about looking back at my my old projections yesterday. I thought that was actually kind of an interesting bit of research. I had done it previously at CBS, but not for a few years. Looking at how hard it is to get stuff right on the team level and on um uh, you know on project and a lot and i showed how a lot of my projections followed the market expectation but yet it's still way off in a lot of cases hmm. uh, it's a good reminder right now i think when you're drafting all these things we're talking about what we expect out of these teams could be wrong on about half the teams typically by by a good margin so like being a little galbrain isn't crazy and you know we, we we've been plenty galbrain today so it's, it's a good reminder to be to be willing to be loose it is a good reminder. I think like stuff happens in the NFL. We talk about that with you know the chaos as it applies to the running back position, but the chaos applies to a lot of other things as well. Uh, I was talking to Eric Bein for like last week, I think, or two weeks ago about the Ravens at the end of the 2021 season when they were a huge pass funnel, and you never would expect, but but it was injuries, right? Injuries to their secondary and to their defense. Yeah, there's going to be some stuff like that where certain teams end up being completely different than what we expect, even if they didn't plan to be. Yeah. So I love that. Um, All right, guys. Uh, Watch Ship Chasing Wednesday night. We'll see you later. Later. Later.